Hello everyone, Callie Hannah here with a quick disclaimer from the future, 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 future. <laughs> the episode you are about to hear was recorded prior to my public coming out as a transgender woman. As such, you will hear myself and others refer to me by my dead name and he, him pronouns, and that is not how I want to be referred to now. I, well, I go by Callie and I use she, her pronouns. Uh, the rest of the episode has been left as is for the purposes of historical preservation, but uh, just know that it is not accurate to my current uh, gender identity. Thank you, and enjoy the show. The hipster and the nerd. Yes, hipster and the nerd. The nerd. One went to the genius. The other is quite absurd. Exactly which is which. Off the fence is which. Yes, good sir. The hipster and the nerd. 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 Hipster and the nerd. Created by Steven Spielberg? No. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Hipster and the Nerd, the podcast where we discuss. Movies, comics, uh, TV Witchcraft, shows, wizardry, video potions. games, witchcraft and wizardry. It doesn't matter that I got those out of order than usual. We're keeping it in. Um, and all manner of geek and pop culture to see what we can make of it. I am Chris Hanna. With me, of course, is my co-host, Brian Brecker. How are you doing today, Brian? Well, I'm doing pretty great. A lot of you are probably wondering where I was. Yeah, because... Um, I got uh... trapped inside a giant cocoon, um... and uh, I had to nibble my way out. And it took me about a week, so that's where I've been. Um, you know. Yeah, d- sure. <laughs> Cocoon boy. But what really happened is I got a like a throat thing, and I had to go on amoxicillin. And but I'm good now, mostly. Yeah. So that's why we've been we've been gone for longer than expected. It, it you you would know that if you follow my Twitter. But in case you didn't, or you're listening to this from the future, in which case, the hiatus actually wouldn't matter. But you Hello know whatever. From it's, the future. It's 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 fine. Anyways, but that <laughs> is why there was a longer gap between this episode and the last episode than expected. But now we are back finally, and of course, since last time we talked about the this first is Hipster and the Nerd version two point Yeah, new and improved. We we we've, we've reoiled the cogs, <laughs> uh, and we are ready to talk about some Hootie Hoot Owl House. Yes, because we are talking. Which, by about... the way, I'd like to point out, watching the second half of this first season, I started to wonder why is everyone so fucking mean to Hootie? <laughs> like Hootie doesn't deserve all this shit. Hootie, all right? yeah, Hootie is one of the best characters. In, like Hootie, I think I talked about this in our first podcast. But like the right. thing about Hootie is, I just feel bad for Hootie, wherein he is a creature who's just so who is just so outgoing and just wants friendship but his existence is vaguely disturbing so he can never <laughs> have it he is a tragic character <laughs> i keep waiting for the episode where they give hootie a tragic backstory and then they keep making fun of him like we didn't notice <laughs> i bet it's going to happen one day man season um, 2b make it happen <laughs> so yeah the first episode we're going to be talking about is season uh 1 yeah. episode 11 sense and insensitivity Directed by Stu Livingston, story by Zach Marcus, Dana Terrace, Dana. Rachel Vine, and teleplayed by Zach Marcus. And this one was storyboarded by Charlie Briant, Haley Foster, Kat Harmon Mitchell, and Stu Livingston, premiering July 11th, 2020. Production code number 111. 
uh, and it premiered to 0.41 million viewers. Yes, we are kicking off the second half of season one with Sense and Insensitivity, which opens as everyone everyone seems to be ignoring Ida and the the human stand because as today there is a book fair in the Boiling Isles where books come to life. Literally, it's actually yes. kind of disturbing. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, they go to the book fair. And uh, they discover that book that book writing contest being held, and she enters it with uh, a yeah. king joining. Because Luce has always wanted to be a writer, because where she's from, being a witch is obviously kind of impossible. And I love the about the author picture she pulls it because first of all, she had that picture on her, and second of all, she has had this since she was seven. So it's just seven year old Luce making the most smug expression possible. <laughs> Yes. Like, I think and, I will cause problems on purpose. <laughs> and the two decide that they're going to start writing uh, a novel together, and then King takes over it halfway through and then starts writing some sort of Game of Thrones nonsense. Yeah. Where everyone dies. Because basically, because they have, because after, because they, they, they decide to enter the writing contest, and they right. have their brainstorming session after uh, Ida's subplot gets kicked off uh, chasing down Lilith, but we'll cut back to that in a moment. Where mm -hmm. and the main characters of their book are effectively loose and king self insert characters. <laughs> yes, and uh, loose tries to write a romantic fantasy while King wants to add violence everywhere. Add violence and, then, and blood and. As we said, King then when when loose has to leave, King takes over the book and refuses to listen to loose's ideas, and then takes it to a publisher named Pignette. Hey, it's a joke about Penguin Publishing. Oh, is that? I thought that was a reference to something. I was, yeah. I was wondering what that's. Pignet publishing is Penguin pu publishing. Oh, okay. And and he's definitely not the villain, Def guys. He's definitely not evil. I yes. also and he reads his manuscript and makes King famous overnight, and yeah. he becomes like one of those hipster authors yeah, with his dumb scarf. Yeah, he becomes an overnight literary sensation, and he has a pretentious scarf, and he has a he has cardboard standees of himself. That, yes. That say spend money on my thing I wrote. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then and then the, the publishers all like, you need to come out with a sequel soon. He's like, like uh, okay, you make here a I got one. Sure, right I now. I made the I made this amazing. Yeah, I wrote the, I wrote. Here we go. Rulers Reach Two now with more swears. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, this sucks. Come back with your real come manuscript. Come back with a real draft. And King's like, oh shit. I can only write when I'm working with Luce. Oh shit! Me, me, oh, meanwhile, Luce is is out uh, pouting all day because her novel got stolen by her pet dog. Um, <laughs> and then uh, what happens is King goes back to Luce and is like, "Hey, Luce, you gotta help me write the rest of this novel." And she's like, "Why would I help you? Wait, why, you stole why would you help me when you made fun of all my ideas?" Like, and he, she, he then he says. Uh, you know, hey, we'll, we'll do it all in one night. It's perfectly fine, or something like that. And eventually, when they get kidnapped, she, they, they also, she says that. I love, and then I, she says that's not a that's not yeah, a productive what, way to is, let it make a writer work. Well, because first, because because first of all, because what happens is so so they're holding a press conference for for the sequel. Right. And my favorite line in this is like, you know, I can't wait for the sequel. If it's disappointing in any way, I will spend every day of my life trashing it. And it's like, God, <laughs> this is fandom. This is Star Wars Twitter. This is fucking yes. Star Wars Twitter. Um. Anyways, but Vignette kidnapped Luce because he wanted to wanted her and King to write the the sequel. And when yeah. and when he points out, you know, some of the best books were written in literal crunch time. We get my other favorite line that I think is a very useful screen cap. 
That's a toxic mentality that contributes to burnout and unrealistic expectations. Like, yes. Fucking that preach. is true. <laughs> yes. And meanwhile, King finally learns to compromise with Luce, and they escape after burning Pinette's contract. Um, and then Ida and Lilith race to the Bloom, only to find that it was a trap by yeah, the market because, seller because who the gave Ida the map. This has been happening. Ida and Lilith have been chasing each other toward to the Bloom of Eternal Youth because they both want that power for their respective sides. Right. But then it turns out and, the guy who gave them the map is like some sort of weasel vampire i think this b plot could have been flushed out a bit more i kind of kept forgetting that it was going on <laughs> kind of, that's not that's that's not an unfair assessment but i do like how it gives ida and lilith more time to bond like yes but it's also funny how what eventually becomes the a plot of the story is at this point like a throwaway b plot uh, so yeah, Ida politely turns down Lilith's offer to join the Emperor's Coven. After they apologizes after they, bo after they both beat the shit of that, out of that like weasel vampire thing. Yes. <laughs> he scammed us. Do you believe he scammed us? <laughs> I figured there was a 50-50 chance going in. <laughs> yeah, and then she comes home, and then uh, both King and uh, Ida, are, King and Luce are like, yeah, we're not going to be writers oh, anymore. Oh yeah, I love that. I love that ending. It's like. Nothing a cup of apple blood and a good book can't solve. Uh, books? Uh, nope, I don't know nothing about that. Uh, <laughs> we hate books. Uh, look at the time. What's a book? Good night. And then Ida sees Ruler's Reach sees on, the, the on the table. He turns around. She sees the king's author picture. And then the typewriter, who can talk apparently and has talked other times throughout the episode, is just like, girl, you do not want to know. <laughs> I have a question though. If this was such a big overnight smash, why does it never come up in the sequels? Why won't there be like tons of like upset fans that they never wrote a sequel? Well, no, because afterwards, because they were t because as we all know, uh, the other thing that happens in this episode is that Tiny Nose is frequently trying to get King to read her story, and then when Pinette reads it, Tiny oh, Nose right. becomes the new literary sensation. So right, I forgot. Tiny Nose by Tiny Nose's. <laughs> beautiful uh, literary uh, master masterpiece to remember that there was never a ruler's reach to I, I feel like maybe it's a fringe fandom like it still pops up on pentagram every now and then it's like oh. ah <laughs> when's ruler's reach 2 coming out they're like i don't know i don't know man yeah so that, that was a pretty good episode not necessarily one of my favorites but it was good i liked yeah. it i liked the the plot with king and loose and i think it's a good episode chris yeah, what do I, you think of sense and insensitivity i i really like sense and insensitivity i think it's a really fun episode i've all i've always enjoyed stories about the creative process as someone in you know or at least trying to get into the entertainment industry myself i think it's a fun way to look at the process there's some there's some fun little writing references in there like uh, at one point, like you see Shave the Cat on a board in a reference to the Save the Cat uh, uh, yes. writing mechanism. And, you know, all the jokes about like, you know, the, you know, book culture and things like that, I think are a lot of fun. And, and you know, the bond between King and Luce is, of course, great. And, you know, the Eden Lilith subplot is a little like, it's a little underbaked, but like it gives them good character moments together. So I'm fine with it. Overall, really, really good time. All right, episode 12, really Adventures episode in the 12. Elements. Adventures in the Elements. So this, this one's directed by Sabrina Catuno, and the story is by Charlie Feldman, Zach Marcus, John Bailey Owen, Dana Terrace, and Rachel Vine. And the teleplay was done by John Bailey Owen and Dana Terrace. Uh, yes, yes it was. And uh, the storyboard so... was done by Inval Brita, Emmy Cesariga, Sabrina Catuno, Madeline Flores, Ooh, as, and as, Chris Pianca. Ooh, I 
By the way, as 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 I did confirm to Brian uh, after the last episode came out, Emmy Cesariga is in fact Neil Cesariga's uh, sister. So, That's amazing, yes. and I love her, and I love Neil. Yeah, Neil. Uh, she also she uh, worked on. Come Rocky on the Falls, show, Neil. Uh, <laughs> Uh, and it was released July 18th, 2020, production code number 110, so made before yeah, the last episode. Yeah, uh, because, fun fact, actually, this was the first episode of season 1B that a lot of people saw, even though mm. it wasn't the what the air first, because it uh, leaked, because it aired early in Turkey. Um, oh, and those people, goddamn Turks. And people recorded uh, this version, and it ended up online. So there was this period of, during the hiatus, where, you know, there, was, there wasn't months of new stuff, but just this one random new episode. Yeah, but, you and know, uh, it premiered I'm, I'm to 0.29 million viewers. I'm certainly glad that Disney uh, doesn't, uh, you know, have that kind of lack security now. It's not like they, you know, let, uh, you know, an important season finale for one of their other shows leak, like, um, leak when, the, you know, they had just delayed it for no seeming reason whatsoever they Chris, i have no idea what you're talking about <laughs> I, I don't know what you're talking about <laughs> amphibia uh, you mean that frog show yes okay well anyway adventures in the elements <laughs> loose is excited to join Hexide. however amity informs her that she's gay i'm sorry that to share the same <laughs> yeah. classes with her she needs to know at least two spells okay so anyways, loose can anyways I'm so, I'm sorry for I'm sorry for I uh, we will talk about the true colors kerfuffle when we get to amphibia on this podcast which we will do but to talk about our main focus I have no idea know, what he's talking about we'll, so you'll yeah. understand one day but anyways so, so Luz convinces Ida to teach her a second spell and she takes her to the knee a snowy tundra on the boiling isles to train yeah I also and, uh, love, it's got uh, like these weird monsters and shit yeah because I also love so like this there's there's so many there's so many good lines here. Because it's like she, because it opens with her. Obviously, she's studying hexide history, and she's like, "I've got a new crush, and her name is Education." And I'm like, "That's a weird way to pronounce Amity, but okay." Um, well, it's not, it doesn't happen yet. It's it's getting there. It's crest. getting there. Okay. And so so she has to go back into the market to, because um, she remembers that she she was supposed to meet Amity in the market to return the Azora book, which you, as you remember, uh, she let Amity borrow. In Lost, right. at the end of Lost in Language, so she, they headed to the market, and Edric and Emra, who have gone from borderline sociopaths to the most lovable doofuses on the face of the planet, um, come I don't up. believe it. <laughs> They're still monsters. <laughs> you'll 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 see, um, and mm -hmm. because it turns out she has to sp pass a two spell placement exam to get into Amity's class. Or else she gets thrown into the baby class. Uh, right. So, it's like, well, um, Ida, go teach me a new spell now. It's like, I can't. These vegetables won't cook themselves yet. And then she brings the vegetables to life and they run away. Why do I always mm -hmm. think that's going to work? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, and uh, Luce convinces Ida to teach her a second spell. And they go to the knee. And uh, to Luce's shock, Amity is there as well, being trained by Amira and Edric to make up for her library incident, yeah. which is continuity. And yeah. meanwhile, King uses a life-giving potion to create an army of stuffed, horrible dolls that will terrify your nightmares. And they turn on him, and he ends up recruiting Hootie to destroy them. Yes. Uh, yeah, that's a fun little subplot where they, uh, they, they had Hootie and King have to team up, yeah. and Hootie still doesn't get any respect. Yeah. Uh, Dissatisfied with Ida's teaching style and wanting to impress Amity, yeah. Jay, Gay. and her well, siblings. Bye. 
bi. Luce bi. is bi. Amity's gay. Okay, uh, but is, the attraction is gay. The attraction is is sapphic. Yes. It's gay. Um. It's gay, Chris. Um, As from so what just... I understand, the term for a woman-woman relationship, uh, uh, the general umbrella term, is sapphic. Um. Gay. So, dissatisfied with Eve's teachings and wanting to be gay, uh, Luce <laughs> steals a- Amity's training wand, and she ends up angering the Slither Beast, this crazy little monster thing that I, I really like the design of the Slither Beast. Yeah, the Slither Beast is no monster great. that captures Ida, Amira, and Edric. Now, upset, Amity puts Luce in a cage, which is hilarious, mm-hmm. to protect her while she tries to rescue them. And then Luce is like, oh, I feel so bad. I I'm feel in this so bad. fucking cage. Oh, wait, I can learn another but spell. But then she sees a light glyph mm-hmm. in the sky. Well, okay, well, I'm actually, I'm getting ahead because there was a lot of other things I wanted to She sees a light glyph in the sky, and she's like, ah, oh, I can do a snow no, well, spell. Well, hold on, hold on, because I, I have to go back because you've been, because you, because you, because you, here's the thing. I have to, I have to go back now because you talked over so many of the points I wanted to get to because First uh-huh. of all, okay. So, so first of all, when they get, so first of all, when they, when, when they first, when Luce and Ida first run into the blights at the knee, Luce's bicon tumble over like the little ridge. Thing. Amity, what are you doing here? Which, first of all, is hilarious, and second of all, there are people who are gonna try and tell me that Luce didn't didn't have a crush on Amity at this point. Are you sure about that? Oh. So my opinion is that Luce um, yeah. is the type of person that doesn't understand someone has a crush on them until, like, they tell them. I think, yeah, that is also true. And But also, Luce, throughout this entire scene, just has this, in, uh, well, particularly when Ida, like, because I- Ida is trying to, like, make her eat snow and shit, and mm-hmm. she just has this Stop embarrassing me in front of my crush face that mm-hmm. I love. Also, hashtag let Edric eat snow. Cause he goes to cause he goes to, he picks up a thing of snow. He goes to eat the snow. Emra knocks it out of his hands. And he's just like, aw. I'm like, Snowdrick. Best Snowdrick? <laughs> snow Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And the other thing um is that when Luce, when because Ida tells Luce she has to like learn from the island and you know focus and you know really absorb her information, and then she starts doing, and as she's like, "All right, Luce, look, with everything you got, focus," and then she starts doing hand puppets, like focus on what, on how you'll be stuck in the baby class, and it's like this is the most neurodivergent thing I have ever seen in my life, and <laughs> I love it. This is the best. This is the best thing. 10 out of 10. 12 out of 10. Um. So yeah, then Lucy is a little glyph in the sky, and she learns how to make ice magic, which she then yes. uses to help save Amity and Amity's siblings yes. from the Slither Beast. And then Ida puts the monster to sleep, and Lucy and Ida return home to find the mess King and Hootie created while they yeah, were because away. Yeah, because the entire time we should mention that King has been running a plushy boot camp, and eventually... The plushies revolt against him and mutiny against him. Right. And then Hootie massacres them all. It's like, you know, this day shall live in infamy. You know, of the private, our hearts have been touched by fire. It's like... He does see at one point, he says, like, I am, I am traumatized yeah, yeah. by the things at the, I've at done. The, at the very end, he's like, I will be haunted by my actions forever. <laughs> <laughs> I fucking love funny. that line. So yeah, and then that's the end of the episode. I think Adventures in the Elements is a great episode. It uh, really 
flushes out the Amity uh, loose dynamic a little bit more, and you get to see how Am- how you can see how loose learns her ice magic, and you get to see the sibling relationship a bit more. And overall, I think the Slither Beast is a cool monster, and I liked the King and Hootie plot. It is a great episode. Chris, what do you think of Adventure in the Elements? Yeah, I love Adventures in the Elements. I also think it's a great episode. You know, I love the evolving dynamic between Luce and Amity, how we really get to see both in terms of them evolve, both in terms of their relationship and as individuals, because we see Amity, you know, she struggles with, you know, not being good enough and, like, you know, relying on the wand for, like, the fire spell and things like that. And obviously Luce's struggles with trying to learn you know more magic and thinking is yeah. am i ever gonna you know be able to master more than one spell and you know it's 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 good character work and you know there's uh expanded stuff with Ida and the and the twins that i think really works and the king and hootie subplot is just hilarious and i just love yes. it to death and the idea that hootie has like ptsd now is just it's both sad and hysterical because it's a bunch of plush toys and I, I I love this one. It's a it is one of my it is probably amongst uh, some one of my favorites. Very good. So yeah. The next episode is the first day, directed yes. by Sabrina Cotuno, story by Dana Terrace, and teleplay by Zach Marcus, John Bailey Owen, and Dana Terrace and Rachel Vine. Storyboarded by Emmy Cesarigas, Sabrina Cotuno, Madeline Flores, and Chris Pianca. I know that these uh, little intros are not gonna ever gonna get old. July twenty fifth, twenty twenty, production code one one three, and premiere to zero point four three million viewers. Yes. Yeah, so so the first Luce attends day... her first day at Hexside, but has yeah. trouble deciding on which track to enroll in. So yeah, because basically, because this episode, the potions track, because this sounds... episode opens. Mm-hmm. Um, I again, we agreed I was doing the summaries. Um, no, <laughs> this episode. Oh, yes, we did. Um, no, yes, we did. So this well, episode, we, we, agree, we agreed you do the summaries for the first half. I thought I, I I'm sorry. I thought it was assumed that by doing summaries for the when I said doing the summaries, I meant for all of the Owl House. So Chris, how much does the potions track suck? <laughs> so <laughs> we will get it to sucks that. really hard, we right, will Chris? Get to that in a moment. But the episode, so of course, this episode opens with Moose's audition into Hexide, um, and Bump being impressed by you know oh. She can, you know, spells cast spells with paper. That's interesting. Um, although I can never unsee, they might have, they might have actually fixed it on the Disney Plus version. I can't tell. I can never unsee the animation error at the beginning of this episode, where at the beginning, when she's backstage, uh, when Luce is backstage, um, but as she's about to do her audition, she is clearly wearing a hexide uniform when she's not supposed to have one yet. <laughs> it's like it's god, fine i know but it's just like ah oh, god damn it um it's fine so basically so yeah, and the, principal bump is like uh if you don't know you should go into potions and yeah, potions are garbage because she because it's like she, chemistry but boring yeah because she goes into she because she wants to because Luz basically wants to make a better first impression than she did at her at her human school uh, and i also love just like ida's advice is just like walk into class and punch the first kid you see to establish dominance. <laughs> I'm not going to do that, but okay. But okay. I also yeah. love how she brings out these puppets um, and Ida leaves before she can actually do the heartfelt sonnet. But if you notice, puppet Ida has two different colored eyes. That's foreshadowing for later. Um, that doesn't make sense. Why would why would Luce know that she has two separate colored eyes? Uh, well, I mean, I, I don't think that's 
a thing that Luce knows. I think it's a it's it's an easter egg so yeah Yeah. so when loose gets caught using a crystal ball used by an oracle okay used by oracle magic students she's placed into detention track because she because she she meets with bump to be like well because she's like well i formed my own schedule because i want to learn all the types of magic and bump is like um no you can only join one of them but oh this is so hard isn't there like a magical item of clothing that could sort this out for me well, there used to be. And the fucking, because they had the a... The choosy hat. Yeah, the choosy hat, because they had a sorting hat type thing. And but and he, he puts it up because it's like, and now I feed. <laughs> and then started eating all the people. Which is yeah, really and, uh, yeah. So Bump and puts she's loose in, in detention potions. now. Yeah, so Bump puts loose in the potions track, and she's struggling to be enthusiastic about it. So she's like, oh, look at this crystal ball. See, maybe I'll... Uh, you know, maybe I can use this to tell if I'm, you know, on the right track. And then Bump sees her, and he's like, um, no. <laughs> no. Yeah, and I have a question. So detention here is called the detention track. So is detention, like, a different version of schooling well, you can you get? Well, there's a, well, because I think it's more like, well, because remember, in episode, in Something Ventured Someone Framed, they destroyed the actual detention so they so created is... the detention track just because of that? Yeah, it's 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 because <laughs> they seem to have a pretty uh, they seem to have a pretty strong uh, subculture already. That is true. Considering that it would have only been created a couple days ago. That's uh, or like a couple weeks at most. Like that is true. I do have questions about that. I mean, maybe the detention track does actually exist in conjunction with actual detention to an extent. That's seems weird it's but okay. slightly unclear but um whatever also when bump is like you know you know you know you can try for a new track next year but i'll be back in the human realm by then maybe you'll do better in a human school pain <laughs> pain yeah um, and then king follows loose to school and takes over a class and starts teaching them and uh he is a natural teacher he loves the the power of uh of teaching the children he's like i'm a king but for children <laughs> I also and like want... how he just scrounges through the trash. It's like, yes, you're a free ride to the and best buffet to in town. Is... The trash can's here. And wanting to escape detention, <laughs> Luce is brought by her fellow classmates Viney, Jerbo, and Marcus to a secret shortcuts room created by Lord Calamity, which they use to listen in on other classes and learn mixed magic like a bunch of criminals. Because they all they all wanted to study crime. multiple tracks because the. Jerbo was plants and abomination. Barkus was right. oracle and potions, and then Viney, who is by far the fan favorite, definitely. Um, Did these characters come back? Uh, Viney comes back. Um, okay. Viney, well, I think they do all come back, but Viney's the only one who's had speaking lines since this. Um, okay, and they yeah. become offended after learning that Luce had said she was better at magic than them, and makes her leave. She's like, "Nah, you got You got to get out of here," you know. You know, and uh, so then, meanwhile, a visiting school inspector turns out to be an imposter and a magic draining greater basilisk. Oh man, sus imposter like among us. Among us. (laughs) Among us. Yeah, we are him. Loose, loose. Asked the detentioners for their help to defeat it, and they're like, "Why would we help you? You, you were being a dick earlier." And she's like, "Well, people are gonna die." And she's like, "Yeah." And also, you kind of took what I was saying out of context, to be honest. Like. Yeah, classic sitcom thing. And they use their mixed magic skills to subdue the beast. And then Luz convinces Bump to allow them all to learn mixed magic. 
which is directly against what the emperor says is allowed. Well, because well, as well as we all know, Bump doesn't actually give a shit about what the emperor thinks. Thinks because you know the only reason he was letting the emperor's coven into like inspect the place is because he needed the money. Like, I don't think he actually likes the emperor. But <laughs> I'm just saying now that I'm reading these synopses, knowing what we know at the end of the season, like Principal Bump is coming off like a like a radical <laughs> yeah low-key yeah like he's dig. directly going against imperial orders encouraging mixed magic uh only really giving a shit about the rules when he gets audited <laughs> like he's basically a criminal i mean yeah but it, it's kind of great like <laughs> yeah so bump then reveals that the only other student who wanted to learn yeah, mixed magic Luce, was Ida. because Luce decides she wants to study all of the tracks and then she has her mm -hmm. magical girl transformation where she gets yes. the, the all track uniform and it yeah, turns and she, out that lord calamity Ida was lord the, calamity the one who was actually a young Ida. it's like oh that's nice yeah and then later bump finds king posing as a teacher and chases him out of the school and that's the end of the episode so yeah the first day Great episode. Uh, I do think that it's little, the little misunderstanding bit in the middle is a bit cliche. But besides that, I think the episode's really good. I think the characters that they introduce are all fun. And I also enjoy the King subplot. I think that King needs to become a teacher. And that is his destiny. And yeah, Chris, what did you think of the first day? Uh, yeah, I think the first day is a great episode. You know, I think I love seeing Luce at Hexide learning magic. I love the, you know, the, det the detention trackers. I think they're all fun characters. I, I want to see them come back more substantially uh, later on. Um, I also like there's some fun Gus and Willow bits we didn't talk about, like, because they're trying to help her break out. And at one point, yeah. it's just like, we'll get you out dead or alive. Okay, alive. <laughs> <laughs> this kid has a weird obsession with death. Um, and I, I, I love the King subplot with him being a teacher. Like, you know, also you can eat trash. Finally, some <laughs> skills we could really use. <laughs> I, th I just, it's a lot of fun. The Basilisk is a, you know, it's a, it's a good, I think it's a good villain. I think it works really well. Um, uh, the action scenes are, I think are very effective and, you know, uh, oh yeah, really good, really enjoyable episode. I like it a lot. Yeah, and now to episode 14, Really Small Problems, directed by Stu Livingston. The story was done by Charlie Feldman, Zach Marcus, Molly Ostertag, John Bailey Owen, Dana Terrace, and Rachel Vine. And the teleplay was done by Zach Marcus and Dana Terrace. Storyboarded by Inbal Brita, Charlie Briant, Haley Foster, Kat Her Har Harmon Mitchell, and Stu Livingston. And it premiered August the 1st, 2020, production code 112. So it, came in, it was created before the first day. Uh, yeah, and it premiered to 0.52 million viewers. And the plot is, when Hexide is closed because of a pixie infestation, yeah. which we later find out what caused the pixie infestation, we'll get there later, Eda receives an invitation to a pop-up carnival, uh, again, which is we, like we, a, a we, horrible, we nightmarish that, uh, carnival, you know? that I was doing something. Uh, what? Um, <laughs> so anyway, so the, this episode opens where, um, this episode opens with loose FaceTiming with Willow and Gus, Gus, because as they're apparently about they have to, FaceTime. They have crystal ball phones. FaceTiming, and I per, no, they're, they're they're crystal balls. Um, oh. Okay. And, and meanwhile, before they jump into the loose and king comedy hour, please no, not the comedy hour. And they just <laughs> and they just make a bunch of bread puns. It's just like it just goes on like this for an hour. <laughs> yes. 
But because school, but because school was actually canceled for the day, they, pixie they infestation. Find out, pixie infestation. Uh, they find out that a carnival is in town, so they all decide to go to go into the carnival. Except uh, right. Udi, who gets abandoned again, and he talks right. to Poor a fly. Hootie. And while they're there, the gang runs into Tibbles, who now owns a miniature circus yeah. called the Tent of Tiny Terrors. The tent when of was tiny... the last time we saw Tibbles? I don't he remember was, Tibbles. Uh, he was the uh, from Hootie's Moving Hassle, the one who tried to upsell uh, oh. Edith's elixir, and they crushed yeah, yeah. the stand. And Rude is like, and, and he's, he, this is his revenge episode. He's going to make. What, them what are you rude. talking about? There's no. There, there, he's there, he's not out for revenge. In fact, let's let's start our friendship with this totally innocent bottle of water. <laughs> yeah, and then King and Luce they want to go get friendship bracelets, but then they run into Willow and Gus, who are also invited to the carnival by Tibbles. They he's like orchestrating this whole thing as revenge, and then uh, King starts getting jealous of how Luce, Willow, and Gus keep hanging out and giving him no attention. Yeah, because because uh, the whole thing is that he wants to. Because he he finds these friendship bracelets, and yes. he wants to he wants to win them with loose like because it's like that's way safer than becoming blood brothers. <laughs> and by the way, for all the listeners at home, please tweet at us uh, who you think has won in this battle for the synopsis, the plot synopsis. Well, again, we agreed. T- team I... Chris versus Team Brian. Again, Hashtag agree- Team Brian. Again, we agreed earlier that I was doing it. So no. <laughs> Because they, because so, they, because they decide that, because they, because they want to go, 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 because he wants to go win the bracelets, but then they, but then Gus and Willow show up and try to drive Luce away, and it's like, right, and then King also, is tricked by Tibbles into shrinking Willow. I also and just want to, I also just want to point by out accident. that, like, okay, I also just want to point out this, this one line is that, so Gus is so, because the, the, apparently they have a Ferris wheel that gives you long-lasting nightmares, and Luce, Luce, the response to this with, this mama is ready for trauma, and. Having seen the rest of the season and season two, I'm like, are you sure about that? Are you sure you are ready for drama? Because I wasn't. (laughs) So Luz finds out about the whole shrinking thing, which was an accident, of course. He didn't mean to shrink them. uh, And then confronts King about it. But they end up shrinking themselves after they fight over the potion. And then uh, Nibbles, or whatever the fuck his name is, Tibbles, Tibbles. comes in and is like, hey, I'm going to put you in my circus of tiny terrors where they have all these fucking unicorns. And the unicorns <laughs> are like, oh, it's so cute. Aww, and they go, at least he's still my friend. And then they try and murder them. That's how friends yeah. react. <laughs> so they use their magic to fight the unicorns, and everybody's looking on, and uh, there's funny things going on in the crowd. We're all like, yeah, kill the children. Because yeah, the ch- they, they're like... Because when they, because we're just like, not a single one of those dumb kids have gotten hurt. Because at this point, Ida, because Ida, this, because Ida has also been running, Ida has been running a stand at this carnival as well of like. Because she got blackmailed into doing it. Yeah, well, well, first, well, well, first she runs a stand of human horrors, and right, she she, she tries to make them look at a fidget spinner. <laughs> they look at this outdated human, human reference. reference. Yeah, but then she gets caught by the literal fun police and. Yes police and forced to work as a like like as a vendor as a food vendor and my favorite like, my favorite line is when Ida hears dumb children she's like hey those are my yeah, dumb children it's like dumb kids wait those are my dumb kids <laughs> yeah and then king and the children captured by tibbles and put in the tent 
they they basically uh, they all join together, realizing that all of this is his fault. King tricks Tibbles into restoring everyone to normal size because he kept trying to hit his face because yeah. he thought hitting his face would turn back to normal because he saw Tibbles hit his face. So then he tricks Tibbles into hitting his own face, and that brings them all back to normal size. And then the unicorns are like, mm, "What should we attack now?" And then they all put the, the bad little guy apples on Tibbles. Oh no! Yeah. Not desserts. <laughs> and and then the unicorns all fucking murder Tibbles, and that's yeah. the last we'll ever see of Tibbles. Um, so far, and then, at least. Yeah. And then Ida drives Tibbles away, and Luz King and Willow and Gus all have fun together, and they share four uh, halves of the friendship bracelets. It's like, oh, this is what I always wanted—a jagged piece of metal. I've always wanted a jagged piece of cheap metal. <laughs> yes. And they all have fun at the carnival. That's how the episode Red, ends, and Red it's a great forever. episode. And then they so Chris. Also, what did you I, think of the episode? Well, I should also mention at the end, we reunite with Hootie and Fly one last time. It's like, yes. oh, boy, Fly, we sure get into some wacky hijinks, don't we? Sure feel bad for anyone, sure feel sorry for anyone who missed out on us two rabble-rousers getting into scrapes. Good thing I brought a camera. Yep. I feel bad for Hootie. Hootie. But when are we going to get justice for Hootie? Hashtag justice Every for Hootie. Every single thing. Oh! Okay. Now I know what friendship uh, tastes like. Tastes so Chris, like a what dog. Chris, Sorry, what do you think of episode. Really Small Problems? I think Really Small Problems is a very fun episode. You know, I know shrinking episodes, you know, it's kind of a trope. A lot of shows have done it. But, you know, I think this was a fun way to handle Bore. it. Bore. With the, uh, you know, the, the car. I think the, uh, I, I think of, you know, extending it with the, with the carnival, combining it with the carnival aesthetic was a, is, you know, a good way of mixing it up. I think I really like the bonding between Luce and King as well as Bore. with, with Willow, no. <laughs> with uh, with Willow and Gus, you know, I think Tibbles, you know, he works as kind of like the, you know, this kind of pathetic villain. Um, and the Ida subplot is fun. Um, there's a lot. I think they do some creative stuff with the shrinking, like with the tent of tiny terrors, or how like Willow and Gus like ride on the fly. <laughs> it's so hairy. Why is it Everything's so hairy? Everything's hairy when you're small. Because, because up close, everything is hairy. Yeah. But yeah, I think I think this is really fun. And I also, uh, I want the Loose and King Comedy Hour to be a, a Netflix stand-up special. Make it make it happen. <laughs> yeah. And now we go on to episode 15, Understanding Willow, one of my favorites. Uh, this is directed by Aminder Dalawal. I'm, sure, I'm sorry, I don't know if I pronounced that right. And the story is by Charlie Feldman, Zach Marcus, Molly Ostertag, John Bailey Owen, Dana Terrace, and Rachel Vine. And the teleplays by John Bailey Owen. We'd like to also say that we do not support Vore on this podcast. No, uh, and the, no, we do not. The storyboard is by Inbal Brita, M.E.C. Sariga, Busuk Bo Coburn, Sabrina Catunio, Madeline Flores, Ben Holm, Amelia Florenz, and Chris Pianca. And it was released August 1st, 2020. The production code was 114. And it was seen by 0.46 million people. So when Luce and Willow attend yeah, a photo cause, class, cause, which is apparently where you t turn your memories yeah, into they, fucking photos. Yeah, because they... <laughs> yes. Yes, because this episode opens. So Luce and Willow are going into their photo class while Amity and her friends act like bitches. Um, yes. <laughs> I, I personally love the... when Because... Because basically, Scara, the the black one, has is having a birthday party, and she made the invitations out of actual butterflies for some reason, and yes. she throws one of them. Basha, the triclops one, throws one of them away, and then the little kids start fighting over it, and the teachers encourage it. 
They just they, they want to see the kids fight. Kid Chris. fight. Kid, kid, kid fight. fight. Kid fight. <laughs> kid fight. Baby. Fight. So yeah, and and basically what it is is like you take your memories and you turn them into like little Polaroid photos. You just gotta make sure you don't mess with the photos. You also mess the, with the, the memories. Because just damaging the photos damages the memories themselves. That's what I just said, right? Yeah. And, <laughs> and Luce is like, hmm, shenanigans. I should do some shenanigans with this. One of the photos that comes out of Willow, Willow's brain is a memory of Willow and Amity as kids at uh, Whammity, at, at if you will. One of their uh, at, at some kind of birthday party, Luce is like, okay, look, what is going on with you two? Because I want to help you be- reconcile and become friends again. And Will's like, no, don't do that. You know, no schemes, no hijinks, or, or you know, no tricks. And, and he says, Luce didn't say anything like, about shenanigans. She never did say she did anything about shenanigans. <laughs> so she turns the photo around, and then Amity spots a photo of her and Willow when they were younger and best friends, and she's like, oh, shit. Oh, no. Well, time to burn this memory Can't out let of get <laughs> all right, no, I'll but just. But then she I'll... accidentally burns all of Willow's other photos and basically gives her a full frontal lobotomy, full, full, causing Willow full to lose her memory. Why would loose... Why would and... they make memory so flammable? That is an excellent <laughs> question. That is a very good question, Amity. <laughs> well, they warned her, and then Luce and Gus discover Amity's actions and take Willow to Ida. And meanwhile, the very funny scene where they're like, "Hey, don't you remember us?" And she's like, "Yeah, no." <laughs> And then uh, there's a funny scene when she's in the owl house, Willow is, and she sees King, and she's like, ah, a, a furry fruit. fruit. Let me I'm peel it. Peel it. <laughs> <laughs> and then they do a sleep spell, and then uh, King starts falling asleep also, and he's like, but I didn't do it on you. And he's like, oh, yeah, that's fine. Yeah. I uh, also love... Willow I, is I, the best... No, not Willow. King is the best dog cat in the yeah. world. I also love when they when they go to the owl house, and Amity's just like, oh, so this is the owl house. And you sleep here when the night criticism <laughs> when the night criticism we do <laughs> yeah and, and uh so Ida basically concocts an idea of how to basically save the save memories her. by yeah. sending them into her brain we're going we're having an into the brain yeah. uh episode there is which one are always way, my favorites there is one um, way but it's terribly dangerous and partially illegal so yes. you're in the right place <laughs> so this is the infinity train episode the of the inf- season yeah the willow car <laughs> Yeah, this is welcome, the Willow card. Welcome to the Willow card. Um, Man, book five went into some weird places. <laughs> meanwhile, Gus is taking a journalism class, and Ida and King compete over who gets to be interviewed by him. And there's a really funny scene where they're both, he's like, noteworthy, interesting, and exceptional? People, People aren't meant be to be all, all those three things. Of these things. Curse your need for perfection, Gus! <laughs> <laughs> and uh, then what happens is he, does, he has to decide between whether or not to interview King or Ida, and Ida's like, you should interview me. I'm like, the most accomplished witch in town. Yeah. And then uh, King's like, yeah, but I'm like the king of demons. So then he has them go through, a, like, uh, the trials of Hercules or some shit. What's uh, your greatest strength? Just going to get interviewed. What's your greatest strength? My decisiveness. No way I changed my mind. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And um, what happens next is when they're inside uh, Willow's brain, Amity and and Luce basically are trying to fix all these memories, fix one including a bunch of weird eggs, and another memories. one being on a uh, beach when they were trying to do magic on the beach. all in, like, Mario 64-esque uh, portrait, por- portrait uh, vortexes. Like, yeah. I, I'm gonna put my face in it! <laughs> and meanwhile, Ida has warned them about the inner Willow, which is like, uh, I guess you could call it, like, the super ego of Willow. <laughs> Yeah, like, she's the the gatekeeper of emotions and memory. Um, Right. 
And basically, and so they go, so they the, go through. They fix a bunch of memories. Uh, Willow yeah. has two dads. Ah, yeah. uh, dads. Yeah, dads. Um, That's gay. <laughs> yes, they are gay. Yes. Um, Fantastic. Um, and what happens then is Andy's like, well, we should go in this one. This one's the bad one. And then they start getting chased around by the inner Willow. By like by this by this big fire monster. And who is the inner willow yeah well we we don't yes. know that right away but like right the the but the, and, and, and the, the fire inner willow is, starts damaging all of it the all, memories all of with the amity memories, in them yeah all the memories related to amity so but they find a way to you know push her push the fire monster into the water in the lake memory um and then there's a lumity hug yes free in my head and, mm-hmm. But then it turns out that the fire monster is actually the inner Willow, who has just been consumed by anger since Amity set Willow's mind on fire. And so then... because Also just because of the whole betrayal thing that happened in their childhood, yeah. which they eventually get to experience yeah, again. Yeah, because they opt to... Because she is like, all right, you know, if you still, if you still haven't figured it out, I'm just going to show you, show both Amity and Luz. Because basically, Amity called... Because when they were kids, the reason their friendship ended was willow was you know basically not developing magic fast enough and, and then amity was like, like i oh, can't you're a weakling I... so i yeah. don't want to be friends with you anymore but it turns out there was actually a deeper layer to that because she was amity's parents are fucking amity's slitherins. parents are the fucking worst people in the world um they're they're slitherins and they hate mutt bloods and they're like stop hanging out with willow she's uh, we blights only associate with the strongest of witchlings you know why don't you hang out with the cool kids it's like no i don't like them like well if you don't they're mean if you, they're mean they're terrible it's like well if you don't hang out with your approved friends we'll make sure willow never gets into hexide so <laughs> Yeah, and when the inner Willow sees this, uh, she calms down, and Odelia and Alador, her parents, forced her to end the friendship because they considered Willow weak and threatened yeah. to bar her from Hexide. Exactly. And Amity then apologizes for being a bad friend. Yeah. She's like, "You were too, too weak, weak to, to be my friend. friend. I was, was too weak, weak to, to be, be yours. yours." You know, I'm not gonna let and Basha and everyone sweet. pick on you ever yeah. again. I- I'm not actually gonna rip it because it's a real butterfly, but you get the gesture, right? <laughs> yeah, and I like I like the scene where Willow where um willow and uh amity have a moment where amity's like we're not friends yet i guess i can't say we're friends but it's a start start? yeah it's like oh and then they they leave the brain space i also like baby willow smacking herself into a tree yes (laughs) that's and the uh what happens then is uh amity apologizes they go back to the magical world and willow states that while she and amity are not friends her actions were positive start and then they come back and they see that uh, instead of choosing either King or Ida, uh, Gus has instead chosen Hootie, which is a horrible mistake because his first words were Hoot, his second words were Hoot, and his third words were Hoot. And at that point, <laughs> Gus gives up. Here's a song I wrote! Here, Hoot, there, Hoot! Someone so, yeah, else Chris, Hoot, Hoot! Willow is probably my favorite. Uh, it's probably my favorite episode of the season. Chris, what do you think of understanding Willow? Yeah, I love because I think it's also like it's it's like the most important episode for Amity's character development, I think. Uh, yeah, I I would say, yeah, probably it's it's definitely yeah it's probably the most important, um, at least of this season. It is probably the most important in terms of both Amity and Willow's, which obviously her name is in the fucking title. Um, right, Willow's uh, character development. I think, yeah, I love this episode. You know, I think a, you know I love a good mind's journey. This is a really yes. creative way to do it with like the 
you know, with the portraits and the memories. And, you know, it gives us the a lot of... memory. Great. It, I understand that reference. Um, <laughs> and I think, you know, there's a lot of great insight into who Willow and Amity are as characters and what made them the way they are. Um, and, you know, I think, you know, Luce being around to accompany that is, of course, fun, you know, and, you know, gets into a lot of feels. There's, uh, you know, there's obviously a lot of fun, funny stuff happening with the subplot with Ida, King, and Gus. I think that's great. And, yeah. you know, there's a lot of just great character moments, you know, really fun visuals. And just, yeah, overall, I would definitely say this is among my favorites as well. But I think my absolute favorite of the season probably goes to the next one. This is the big one. Oh, yeah, but Chris, I have to ask you before we talk about this one, uh, the Enchanting Grom fight. Um, which is your favorite ship pairing, and why is it Halbert and Hootie? Al- what? Albert and Hootie. They belong together, Chris. <laughs> they're both owls, sort of, and they they're 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 both lovable and they're both owls so anyways enchanting grom fright i remember the <laughs> you hyper- know what their ship name would be hal booty <laughs> so i anyways because i remember the hype for this episode like the hype was real because i remember because mm-hmm. i was in the fandom when, as this was coming out and they really did a big marketing push for this you know it was all over social media and you know obviously- well, we forgot to mention this one's directed by Stu livingston was stored by molly ostertag dana terrace and rachel vine with a teleplay by molly ostertag all right yeah so and, and it's storyboarded by charlie brianne <laughs> mbc sariga Haley foster madeline flores kat Harmon mitchell chris bianca and spencer Wan. yeah because it was released august 8th 2020 Production code one one six to thirty point thirty five million views. Yeah, so this was yeah, because this was a massively hyped episode. You know, there were all sorts of social media promos, people doing cosplay because it was it was the big episode that people were hyped for, like from the trailers. Because because they there was a I, there is a famous moment. It is it is now deleted. Unf- it is now deleted because Dana Terrace tends to like purge her Twitter uh, a lot of the times. But it's it's been screen capped of where. Someone took the shot from the trailer that's in this episode of Amity's shoulders, uh, Amity's hand on Luce's shoulders, and uh, capped it with, there is no heterosexual explanation for this, to which Dana Terrace replied, there really isn't. So that should, yeah, it's very gay, and we'll get into it as we go into this episode. So this episode Yeah, Luce learns that Hexide has its very own version of prom Okay, again, I I feel like... But it's nothing like the actual prom. I really should be doing the summaries here. Um, We can do it together, Chris. Yeah, so anyways, because the episode... the magic of friendship. Because the episode opens, because there's the cold open where Luce learns how to do plant clips, which sort of... It's strange to me that... So her first two clips are like... They spend entire epi- they spend an entire episode on her learning how to do the light cliff, and there's an entire episode of her learning to do the ice cliff. But the last two, I think it's kind of funny how the last two are kind of just things that happen in otherwise unrelated episodes. Yeah, and yeah. Amity is selected as Grom Queen after like Luce was like, I want to be the Grom Queen, but then like you just, don't want to be the fucking Grom Queen. Because she finds out because she finds out about because 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 uh, also this also establishes. The other major running plot of this episode is that Luce is her mom is in fact still texting her, and Luce still hasn't been able to tell her what's been going on, and she's still been lying because, like, you know, what is she supposed to say in this situation? And it's like, right. oh, 
you know, she would kill me, but like, I don't like lying to her. But that, that is interrupted by, interrupted by, you know, her having to go to school because it's time to fill up that darling little head of yours with delicious knowledge. <laughs> and anyway, Amity has a very Cause... mysterious letter that she is apparently afraid of somebody finding yep. when she talks to da. Luce in the school. Yeah. And uh, a, then over the loudspeaker, note, they hear she, that Amity is selected as the Grom Queen. Yeah. But it turns out this is actually a bad her. thing, because when Luce goes to visit the gym, uh, which has been all decorated for Grom, and the Snaggleback is the disco ball, which is, mm -hmm. <laughs> which is very funny, it turns out that being Grom Queen, or Grom King, I imagine, you know, being Grom Royalty either way, means having to, to fight a monster named Grometheus the Fearbringer that can shapeshift into your worst fears and defeat it right. before it invades the town. Uh, so, it seems like a lot to put on a high schooler, but hey, I mean, I, I still more safe than Hogwarts. So I mean, yeah. You know. I've Granted, that's not a particularly high bar. Here's the thing. They only make... Hexide only makes the high schoolers fight one killer monster a year. So that's a significantly <laughs> better track record than Hogwarts. So yeah, and, and Amity's like, you know, I really don't want to do this. Because, I don't you know, want to face my, my fears. My fear and Luce steps really, up to you know, replace Amity as Grom Queen. My fear, because, you know, she's like, her. my fear is really personal and embarrassing. So Luce goes... It's, it's that she likes Luce. She, she likes Luce. Yes, we'll get to it. She's gay. She goes back... Yes, yeah, she is. Gay for Luce. <laughs> yes, she is. She's a Lucebean. Um, um, yes. And so Luce goes back to the Owl House, kind of troubled by this, while Ida and King are prepping for Grom as well, because Ida is chaperoning the event, and she looks great in a suit. And Yes. I mean, she looks great in everything, but, you know, she looks especially mm -hmm. great in a suit. Um, and King and Gus are apparently co-emceeing the Grom battle, and Luce feels bad for Amity. She's like, you know, I wish I could just take her place. And Ida's like, oh, pff, what? You know, Grom's above your pay grade, kid. Like, how about, how about no? <laughs> but then she does anyway, because she fuck does, what the she witch meets, mom tells her to do. Because she walks into the woods after that, and she's like, mm -hmm. you know, oh, you know, Ida doesn't know me. I'm brave. I'm a bad boy. And, and she runs into oh, Amity. By the way, before this, before this though, they set up the, the joke of, um, when 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 she's like I'm brave when she was talking to Ida she's like there's a giant terrifying a spider on the spider back of your head hair, you know and, and then she's like no there isn't and then she walks away and there is one and then when she's out in yeah, the woods she's like I'm brave and then the spider comes out and she's yeah, like yeah because ah. she meet because she meets up with Amity who you know she mm -hmm. did talk to Bump about trying to get out of this but you know I can't I'm Grom Queen unless I can find a replacement but who would have switched with me mm -hmm. I would Amity Blight yeah. I'll do it. I'll take yeah, your place so she... and face Grom in the arena. I'll be your fearless champion. Spider crawls on her face and she falls into mud. Fearless yes. champion. Meanwhile, uh, Gus that invites King to be his co-MC at Grom, but he is revealed to have stage fright. Yes. And yes. meanwhile, Luce is trying to figure out what she's going to wear to Grom when mm -hmm. her mom texts her again. Like, oh, I can't still, I still can't talk about this. And like, tell her the truth. These lies are only going to make it worse. And I mean, honestly, she wouldn't believe the truth. So, like, probably. I, I probably don't tell her the whole truth. <laughs> but you Sometimes know, lying to your parents, I mean, when you're stuck in a magical kingdom and you can't possibly tell her anything without making her horribly terrified, sometimes not telling her is the better thing to do. Ah, uh, the demon on my shoulder makes a good point. Always trust yes. the shoulder demon. 
Um, <laughs> but, but and this also the other line, one of many lines from this episode that lives rent free in my head, is she's like, "Oh, you Chris, know, this whole show lives rent free in your head." That's true, but like especially this episode and some specific scenes where she's like, you know, "Oh, what should I wear to Grom?" You know, this one says, "Witch for the dark side." And, she, and then the other one she has is an otter onesie because yes. earlier she mentioned that she got kicked out of her last school dance for dressing up like an otter. And so she's <laughs> like, but this one says I'm an otter. With yes. And this is and why, once at Grom, this is also uh, why I am still personally rooting for when Luce eventually gets her palisman, it should be an otter. An otter okay. palisman with a dark side. And by the way, once at Grom, Luce begins battling the Grometheus, who takes on the appearance of her biggest fear, which is, uh, well, at one point it was, like, humans, yeah, human faces on cats. Cause basically, cause and then the other before, part is, like, dairy. Because before, uh... before the Grom, because be, before they go to Grom, they do a brief training session after Amity utterly murders Hootie. Um... Right, but it doesn't really go anywhere because she's not actually going to end up fear, being prepared. Because her fears are, Grom. like, human souls trapped in cat bodies. Right. Um, uh, jerks online who wanted to bait. Um, oh yeah, you you you're not. It's oh, yeah, a place the of other, intellectual honesty. honesty. So debating you would be pointless. I I love that. <laughs> I love that clip. I use it all the time. It's perfect. <laughs> um, and uh, e- and Ida being right about her being too fragile. And yes. But she. But you know they her, they. her real fear is is facing her mother and and her mother being disappointed with the fact that she lied to her. Yes. That's her real fear. Because she she because um, they go to the battle because they go to Grom and can I just say every everyone's Grom outfits are just on point. But like yes. I especially love Luce's just because t- it's like a tuxedo top with because she has slicked back hair the top half of a tuxedo. A ballet tutu with purple leggings and like work boots, and <laughs> this is like, you you own this girl. It's a vibe. You are you are powerful. You are <laughs> incredible. You can do whatever you want to do in this world because you are gender nonconforming as fuck, and yeah. I appreciate that. <laughs> and meanwhile, um, basically, uh. Gus is out there like killing it on the stage and then he gives the mic to King and King is terrible and starts getting booed. Yep. And while Grometheus chases Luz, King overcomes his fear and directs the students towards the fight that eventually like went outside because oh my god, it's my mom. So yeah. then Amity steps in to help Luz yeah. because, you know, Luz is Cause losing. Because Am- Amity, because like she because like Grom corners Luz at like the edge of a mountain. And she's like, you know, why can't you face your own mother? You know, you're not really my mom. And then, and then Ida tries to save her, but then Amity jumps out of the bushes, like, move, I'm gay, and <laughs> goes to protect Luz, and Luz, and apologizes for like, you know, you know, not, not fighting her own battle. To which we discover right. that Amity's real fear was being rejected by her crush. To which Luz is like, oh, that's too bad, you know. You know, I'll go, go with you, and then she's like, "Yeah, really? that, that's definitely that, not what the plan was, that's, anyway." That's what that's what friends do. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, sure, loose friends. And I like how in this moment, Amity obviously has three things. Oh my god, they were roommates. Oh my god, because um, <laughs> uh, because the, the obviously, I think Amity has three things going through her head right now in this exact moment. Like when she's when she's closing her eyes right before the big scene, it's like one is task failed successfully. Uh, the other is the dial-up sound effect, and the third one 
is uh, they ask you how you are, and you just have to say that you're fine when you're not really fine, but you can't go into it because they'll just never understand. <laughs> but of course, yeah. that brings us into, well then, if that's settled, may I have this dance? And everything about this scene is literal perfection. Oh my so god. So the gayness goes from like three to a thousand in like yeah, cause ten they, frames? Yeah, because they start dancing and they're like spinning it. around and they're doing magic. Like they combine their magic as they're making the abomination and when Luce is using the glyphs with the abomination, she used them as like a little fan at one point during the dance and the dance. And the music! Oh my god, the music! Uh, we haven't talked too much about the score in this show. It's very good, but like this is an end, a special moment because like they clearly went all, they knew the scene was, needed to be big and they went all out on the score for this dance sequence because it's all like. It's, it's it's so good and they and so like they, they you know they launch the abomination they 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 float down to the air grom turns into a giant tree they get their 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 grom crowns and loose is just like you know you know so who did you want to ask out oh it's uh, it's it's, know, it's not important fine. and she throws away the paper and you know loose doesn't see it but the audience sees that the paper folds out and the note reads, Luce, will you go to Grom with me? Gay. Gay Slow is clap. confirmed. Slow clap. Lumity confirmed. Lumity confirmed. God bless you, yeah. Dana Terrace. <laughs> so yeah, this episode's fantastic. It reminds me a lot of the, the prom episode in She-Ra. Yeah. I don't know why in all these new shows that have LGBT characters, the prom episode is always the most iconic. Uh, but yeah, this episode is fantastic. Oh, it has also a lovely mention, story. Okay, I, 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 mm-hmm. before we before we get into overall thoughts, there is technically slightly more plot after that, believe it or not, because because they they go home, home. You know, everyone loves them, and Luce is still lying to her mom about the demon realm. But now but she starts actually talking about, about you know what's going on, feelings and what's going on. But and then it shows that someone's impersonating Luce and sending letters to her mother. What? Whoa. And we don't get an answer to that at the end of season one. Yeah, so. yeah, I know the answer, but you'll have to wait till season two. Okay. Uh, yeah, so this episode's fantastic. It has a lovely story. I really love the relationship forming between uh, Amity and Luce. I think it's really wholesome and cute. And also, I think that the story with Gus and King is fun. Uh, it's a good B-plot for the episode. And overall, Enchanting Grom Fight is one of my favorite episodes of the season. Chris, uh, tell me why you didn't like this episode. Oh, my Because I, I know this is, like, definitely one of your <laughs> least favorite. <laughs> why dare you toy with me like this? Um, Encha- <laughs> Enchanting Grom Fright, I absolutely adore this episode. Just every It's perfectly paced. All the subplots work really well together. Everyone's... Like, the, the costume design for, you know, everyone's different Grom outfits is just perfect. The action sequence of them, like, the action sequences of Luce actually fighting Grom in, all the di- in, you know, the various different stages, I think, are great. I mentioned, we mentioned the, you know, you're not coming from a place of intellectual honesty line is great. <laughs> There's so many just funny lines. Amity just murders Hootie, you know, like, wonder know why, worst nightmare, you know, still gets me in hysterics every time. You know, obviously the dance scene is hugely iconic already for for good reason. You know, I love that scene to death. I can watch that scene over and over and over again and never get when, tired. When of the it. show gets gay, the animation quality increases by like twenty fold. 
exactly. Point this the, out. The animated budget. <laughs> yeah, they they give they give they put more money. They put in the a lot of money into that scene for, for the montage. A lot of time. And I they, it. and I also love all of the edits people do of this dance with uh, different songs. Y'all are doing the Lord's work. I appreciate it. Um, it's 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 quite good. And you know, it's just such a good. It, that's and you know, even more development between Luce and you know her mom and figuring out how Luce feels about that and her starting to open up more and that, you know, big reveal of the letters, which becomes super important during season two. And it's just, mm -hmm. oh God, I just, it's great, it's there's so episode. many, there's so many layers. It's fantastic. It's probably my favorite episode of the season. And it's hard to say it's of like the show at one point, it was my favorite episode of the show, but with season two being so good, it's like, it's it's really hard to I don't know if it still has that title, but it's definitely my favorite episode. I agree. Of it's the it's season. it's a it is a beautiful episode. It's absolutely and it, it has great LGBT representation. Yeah, and, and I like how I remember... it doesn't I like how it doesn't uh like needle that out for like nine episodes or like a thousand fucking episodes. Yeah, and it's and... like it, it's like, yeah, they like each other. Here's the answer. Okay. Yeah, and get over I, it. Now uh, yeah. we'll, and now it was, continue the story. And it was yeah, you know? it's it's really handled well and you know, it was it's it was a baby, huge deal. You know, like at the time. Yeah. At, you know, what I remember when this when this episode came out, because this was the point where the Owl House kind of blew up as a show. Mm -hmm. Like it was already popular among, you know, animation fandom and, di and the gays and Disney fandom and at least to an extent the LGBT plus community but then i remember this episode coming out and it was like there were cnn articles i hope people that this. listen to this know that i'm gay <laughs> i refer to the gays yeah as the brian gays. brian is gay and so they Bye. get to make those jokes and by extension uh, i have been granted permission to make those jokes as an ally <laughs> <laughs> i don't understand your experience but i'm gonna act like i do because i love you I, I I do have yeah. It's right? how it's how this works. Yeah. Um, Definitely. And I because I remember because because there, there were like CNN articles about like you know Disney's first openly bisexual lead in the Owl House because yeah. Luce is you know this confirms that Luce is bi. It it is inclusion and representation in a very natural sense. Uh, where I think, um, we like some people, you know. Straight people. Straight people are a lot of times are like, oh, I don't like this. You're shoving it down my throat, which is a very homoerotic thing to say. But regardless, um, it's funny to me because, like, you know, like, sure, there are definitely, I think, uh, LGBT representation where it is more political in the sense of it's telling a story about being LGBT. But this is something very different, much in the same vein as She-Ra and the Princess of Power, where, you know, obviously this is targeted at a younger demographic. It's, yeah, it's targeted so, at a younger demographic, and it's in a fantasy. The representation is entirely positive, and I, I enjoy that a and lot. It's also, and the universe, the and universe, it, as I think, uh, I, I think Dana Terrace has said this, the universe doesn't have homophobia Yeah, the universe, in it, similar to She-Ra, right? this universe, like, homophobia doesn't exist. And I think what right. is, what is really refreshing about that in terms of, you know, an LGBT romance, both in terms of the representation and just telling a really good story, it means that mm -hmm. we don't have to spend time on the closeted part of the narrative and we can focus more on how these two feel about each other as people as opposed to re them re trying to reconcile their feelings about an entire gender, which helps makes the relationship feel more authentic and more genuine. Right. And I do think that there is definitely room for that There's definitely room for thing. that, but I think especially um, in... You know, especially, but, but especially considering audience. that this is meant for like a younger demographic, I think that you kind of, when you make a, a story like this, you are in a sense building the world you want to live in. 
Yes. And when you do that, and when you are, you know, uh, hitting that younger demographic, it might actually be helpful, more helpful to not. Yeah, because who uh, wants to make a because who wants to make a fantasy know? world where homophobia exists? Like. <laughs> I mean, Nightbreed's a good movie. Okay, there's the okay. That's one. <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah so yeah this is a fantastic episode i really love it it's kind of a thesis statement for like what the whole show is going to be yeah like, and it kind of and, uh, it, and where it's it, going and there's a lot of throwbacks to it as well because we'll talk about this more in season two but it seems like mm-hmm. after this everyone just carries around grom photos with them like <laughs> yes hello oh, and on to the yeah. 17th episode wing, wing it, it like, like witches. witches this one's directed by sabrina catunio with story by zach marcus molly ostertag john bailey owen dana terrace and rachel vine with a teleplay by molly ostertag and rachel vine storyboarded by bosuk bo coburn emily emmy Cisariga, sabrina catunio Amelia Lorenz and Chris Pianca. It was released August 15th, 2020 and had a production code 118 to 0.37 million viewers. All right, so this episode This is the Quidditch episode. This is the Quidditch episode, but better. Um so this episode opens with everyone's favorite question mark? Uh Triclops Basha heading to school because this is the first day of heck of grudgeby season at Hexide and Basha is the team captain. But... I'll be honest, I completely forgot who Basha was until they uh explained that she was friends with Amity. I was like, "Oh yeah, Basha." But they mentioned her but she was in the, she was she was she was in Understanding Willow, which was two episodes ago. <laughs> I know, I just I don't remember her name that well. Hmm. Anyways, this is the, I so... mean, this is the first episode where she's actually important to the plot to be fair. Well, right. I guess I guess the body swap episode. But, so Willow you know, experiences a it. confidence boost that earns the support of her classmates. Yes. And this annoys Basha, the Grudgeby team the gr- captain? The grudge, the, yes, the grudge, Grudgeby. Grudgeby? Grudgeby. It's like Grigby. Gr- grudge and then B. Grudge Wales. Grudgeby. <laughs> Lin fla fluffle fluffle fluff. So uh, the Grudgeby team captain who looks down on and bullies Willow because nobody fucking likes Willow and Willow is picked on, and it's very sad. And but this whole this whole episode is kind of about, um, in my opinion, Amity uh, really taking that turn with her character where she is saying no to the Mean Girls. Yeah, I no, mean the no episode. Mean girls. I mean very early on in the episode, Amity ends Basha's entire career then and there exactly like you know i used to be like you basha obsessed with status challenging my competition but i grew up when will you (laughs) yeah uh and then she of course embraces her new nerd friends such as willow and uh loose and loose and gus try to defend her but then are also bullied they're like what is she gonna do follow Follow us around all day day. ron howard like it's not like she can follow us around all day right ron howard narration she can (laughs) hoping to beat her at her own game also apparently to a grudge also within the same scene apparently principal bump is okay with murder um yes because she's because he's like what's that Basha got away with murder. I guess I approve, but at least she's trying new things. And the <laughs> other thing about this episode is that this is where, you know, you thought the, the is where we are informed that the, the gayness of Grom was just the tip of the iceberg because because uh, Luce runs into Amity trying to figure out a solution and sing it with me, everybody. Oh, Luce, you're here. I mean, obviously you're here. This is school. And you go here now with uh, me. 
I've been talking to dog. Gay. Very, it's it's very gay. But anyway. Yeah, and I, I, I like how um it shows a different aspect of Amity's character where, like, you know, she before, she she likes to hide behind her, you know, I'm a, I'm a mean girl type attitude. But as she's now changing a bit, we get to see that she's just really she's, nervous all the yeah, time. Yeah, just she's just as awkward as Luce in a lot of ways. <laughs> right. And uh, she decides to go after learning the castle holds powerful magic relics. No, wait, that's the wrong episode. Wrong episode. Yes. Yeah. So yeah, Luce yeah. challenges Basha to a grudgeby game on Willa's behalf. And Luce asks Amity to join their team. And Amity's like, Sing uh, it with me, know. everybody. Me? On a team with you? Running around in cute uniforms, sweating. Why, I gotta why you, go. Why are you saying these direct quotes from the episode? Chris? Because they must be said. Okay, <laughs> it's I could a, just it's edit the in the clips. It's the yeah. Well, you can edit in the well. You can edit in the clips over it if you want. But either way, the sacred texts must be honored. Anyway, Luce asks Amity to join their team, but she flusteredly refuses. And meanwhile, Lilith arrives at the Owl House to arrest Ida. And they this is the beginning of like the Lilith-Ida uh, season finale story arc that's going to happen. And yeah. Ida agrees only if Lilith beats her in a grudge-bee match. Now, Ida wins because, you know, she's a big nasty cheater, but she also wins just in general. Uh, but sympathetically gives Lilith her ring because Lilith is like, I can't go back to the Emperor empty-handed. Yeah, this happens. And he's like, hey, th this, this, here you go. this plot occurs throughout the episode. But I do love Hootie's little side thing during that. Because first of all, there's the there's the uh, the Shrek 2 style intro to all of them. Lilith. Edelin. Hootie! <laughs> yes. Uh, and then Luce pushes Willow and Gus in training too far, yeah, and then they I'd quit also, yeah, in this training montage. Because I'd like to point out, so basically, because she, because she rallies them with the idea of, because she's, because her, she's on a sports movie kick at this point, and so she rallies them around, she rallies them together, and she rallies them, and she is like, well, you know, every great sports story includes a training montage, and the scene, and, and here's the thing. The montage appears to happen in-universe, because after the montage, Gus is like, wait, were we just having a tea party and animal jammies? What happens in the montage stays in the montage! Which implies that Luce can trigger montages at will? Which I feel like would be a useful power to have on several I don't cases. think that's what it's happening. It's just that she was going from one activity to the other. She was making the feeling of a montage. I mean, I mean, you could say that. But personally, I like to believe that she has the power to trigger montages at will. Well, she doesn't will... know that magic yet, though, Chris. And so you're will... wrong. And the... no, have she... you considered the fact that you're wrong? <laughs> and this power will come back at a pivotal plot moment in the series. <laughs> anyway, Amity reveals to Luce that she was team captain before Basha, but her her fellow players and quit i wonder if that's going to become a, a thing that will end up with her overcoming that fear yes it will yeah learning from this loose forfeits to basha when basha attacks loose amity convinces willow and gus to return and they have a proper grudge match which is a lot of fun to watch and then uh she can be so lose. stupid which i love <laughs> i mean hate in any case and... she needs you right now which is sweet i mean i hate it and it's dumb yeah you're and, probably and, uh, they... a homosexual and, and and then they they catch the snitch. Oh oh yeah, because the because they have because they have the whole because they have this really cool grudgey game. You know, I, I love the score in that scene as well. The props to props to T J Hill, the uh, composer for the first season. He does a great he did a great job with a lot of the music here, and especially like this. And we talked about the Grom score as well right but and, and then and, they point out how dumb it is yeah to so, have okay so basically rule, which i they, thought was very funny yeah because they do okay 
I want to. I want to. I want to talk about this. Cause so basically, because they do the whole grudge game, Luz learns how to do fire glyphs during this whole thing, and then they win. But then Basha catches the rusty smidge, because apparent, which means they automatically win, and all magic sports are like this apparently. And we get perhaps the single greatest rant of all time. That just invalidates all our efforts. If catching that thing is so important, why do anything else? There's no reason to watch any of the other players. That's such a stupid rule. Fuck Quidditch. <laughs> I mean, grudge me, but also Quidditch. I hate that rule. It's so fucking stupid. Why did you write a magic sport like that? It's a terrible system. <laughs> it's because JK Rowling. Yeah, she who true. shall not be named. She my is best a hack. <laughs> yes. Uh, at the end of the episode, Amity with a broken leg from the match because they 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 were able to defeat them and yeah. then lose, but then they were Amity like, yeah, who like, cares? Oh, uh, and, she... and one la to to bring us back to one last sacred gay text. Oh, are you sure? I could help carry you if it really hurts. Uh, uh, I'm fine. <laughs> Who's Amity? And scoop. Oh. Yeah. Wow. Sports. <laughs> gay. And uh, with a broken leg from the match, May they join Luce, Willow, and Gus at the Owl House. End of episode. Yes. So, Chris, what did you think of Wing It Like Witches? I really love Wing It Like Witches. I mean, yeah, it's not, like, a super plot-important episode or anything, but I think it's a lot of fun. I love the character growth between, with, you know, Luce and Amity as well as Willow and Gus. I think Amity, you know, the sacred gay panic is just absolutely wonderful and iconic. I think... The whole grudgeby scene is really, it's got a lot of good action, really great score. The, just the Nox against Quidditch, I love. And the Eden Lilith subplot is also really good with their own grudgeby game. And mm -hmm. Hootie getting in there. It's like, I'm an unbiased participant, Hoot Hoot. And we, we, I can't believe we didn't even mention King in the cheerleader outfit. Or the, oh, yeah. Yeah, the, the armor <laughs> of intimidation. Um, yes. That's, I think, and that's great as well. So I really love this episode. It's a personal favorite of mine. And it's also just nice to have something that's, you know, more wholesome and light and fun before we get into, you know, the last two episodes. And we, we all board the pain train. <laughs> chucka yeah. chucka. <laughs> so episode eight, I think uh, Wing It Like Witches is a great episode, although I, it does feel a little bit like filler. Um, but besides that, I do really enjoy the Amity uh, romance with Luce. I think that is really fun to watch as it grows. And I think the jokes about Quidditch are very funny. And uh, on to episode 18, Agony, Agony of a of Witch. Directed oh, by Aminder Dalawal and story by Zach Marcus, Molly Ostertag, John Bailey Owen, Dana Terrace, and Rachel Vine with a teleplay by John Bailey Owen. This one was storyboarded by Luz Batista. Hey, Luz. Uh, yeah, uh, actually, a uh, fun fact about the... Hold on, I need some water. So, Luz, the, the, uh, the main character, as in the, the main character of the show, was actually named after Luz Batista... Uh, Dana Terrace's college roommate and best friend. Ah. Who now, of uh, course, works as an artist on the show. Bosuk Bokaburn, uh, Minder Dalawal, Ben Holm, Amelia Lorenz, and Chris Pianca. And it was released August 22nd, 2020, and it was production code 119 and premiered to 0 0.51 million viewers. Yes. So the story starts with Lilith making an attempt to at capturing Ida, yeah, but is thwarted by well, Hootie. After a very after an ominous opening where Lilith is talking with Kiki Mora about mm -hmm. the 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 so called Day of Unity, we don't know what that is yet, and it's like, you know, you 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 know, we've brought so many wild witches to Coven's, but Ida is still are you protecting her? Is something going on? And Lilith's like, no, I am loyal to the Emperor. Today we capture Ida. 
once and for all. Dun dun dun! And hence we enter a greatly accelerated Zuko arc. <laughs> yeah. Uh, kind of, yeah. So anyway, yeah. so Coven Scouts surround the house, but Hootie, being a, a badass, beats the shit out of all of them. <laughs> and this is the only time when we actually see anyone show any amount of appreciation for Hootie. Hoot hoot! Basically. I'm a person now! Wobbly wobbly! <laughs> I also love yeah. at the very end of the fight, like Lilith tries to fire off a like a beam. It's like, oh look, it's a bug! <laughs> yeah, or, and then and, the tree and... lands on top of her. Oh, just an old leaf. Well, that's <laughs> good too. <laughs> Luce discovers that Ida's curse has been worsening, requiring increasingly more elixir to restrain. And uh, we still don't know who cursed her at this point. And at school, yeah. Luce learns that they are taking a field trip to the Emperor's castle. castle. And they're like, hey, and, what do you think of the Emperor's coven? And, and he's like, I don't really like how they treat my girl Ida. I don't like how they treat, you know, my mentor slash uh, second mom. So I don't know if mm -hmm. I really want to go on this trip. And then Willow is like, Willow and Gus are like, but look at all these cool artifacts. And Luce is like, wait, healing hat that can cure any curse. Mm hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> My favorite one is the uh, orb that tells you your best self. Yes. That oh. shows you your best self. And my favorite joke in this episode is when Gus gets that. Oh, uh, yeah. He just makes another Gus, and Gus says, you're already Always your best, best self. self. And he starts crying. Oh. I love that. That image, I feel like that image should be memed more. Because it has. Because <laughs> uh, my, my friend Paul has pointed this out as well. There's so much meme potential in that scene. My favorite one that he, he sent me is one where it's like, finally, although how to become my best self, the, the Gus appears. And stop watching anime. You know it's trash. <laughs> yeah. And uh, they decide to go after learning... Uh, they decide to go after learning the castle holds these powerful relics, including yeah. a healing hat that might cure Eden. While on tour, Lou sneaks off after trying to open some vents. Yeah. And, and we she's also... just like, I, I love me a well-ventilated castle. And we also learn a bit more about our main villain and the ruler of the Boiling Isles, Emperor Belos, because he created the coven system that now mm -hmm. operates the world around 50 years ago. So he actually hasn't been in power for that long. And I think in this episode speaking. we learned that he is basically a genocidal tyrant that destroyed and killed all of the people that refused to go into one branch of magic. That seems to be what is implied, yes. Right, Although and also that weirdly... he is... He's weirdly he's also, chill now, in, in, well, he's relatively also, speaking. Um, he believes that everything that he does is by the will of what he calls the Titan, the yeah, Titan's the tit bones. Because basically, because you know. we find out, this is more in the next episode, but we find out that the Boiling Isles is built on the bones of a Titan. And that's why there's right. so many body part references in the names, you know, Bonesboro, the Knee. Mm -hmm. You know, it's also explained that the titan is the source of the magic in the boiling isles yeah that's why all the creatures that came around the boiling isles became magical after the titan died or you know when the titan died and it's interesting because um the emperor is kind of a theocrat in that way yeah he doesn't see himself as an all-powerful yeah, egotistical he, he, ruler yeah, he, he sees he, himself as the as he sees the, himself um, as a messenger like he, he is the hand of a divine will yeah. Basically. Also, he eats which palace. may just be him doing whatever he wants. And then yeah, because it's it's, it's unclear exactly right. how much Belos is telling the truth versus what he believes to be true but isn't versus right. how much of it is straight up lying. But either way, as far as we can tell, he is trying to communicate to everyone around him that what he does is in service of the Titan. And also, he right. eats palisman. Like yeah. 
<laughs> well, I mean, I, I, I'm guessing that there's some sort of magical thing in Yeah, because there's he, like... He, when we first meet him, he's like absorbing some sort of energy. So it's yeah, almost like he, he is the, a Voldemort-like he... figure that kind of like feeds off the energy and life force Yeah, of and that's creatures. sort of explored more in the second season, but I won't okay. get into that here. But anyway, yeah, I, I find Emperor Bellis to be a very interesting character. Is just yeah, what I'm trying he's to say. a very he's a fascinating villain, and we can talk about that more in it's it's something that will probably more come up in the season finale. He, he kind of reminds me of a mix between um, Horde Supreme, the you know Horde, Horde Prime, Prime, yeah, and and probably like uh, the Horned King from from uh, the Black Cauldron. I mean, I, if you I mix don't, them two together, I don't really feel, feel like, like I don't know if there's that. enough substance. If we're talking specifically about it, the movie version, because I haven't read the book, but like, well, I don't know if there's a, the, enough substance to the Horned King in the movie version. Are you, the Horned really... King is badass. Look, I love, the, I love the Horned King. He's like <laughs> the best part of that otherwise kind of mediocre to bad movie. That but movie like, is not mediocre to bad. That movie is great. That movie has Gurgi in it. Gurgi is fun <laughs> and you just hate fun. No, right. I love fun. You hate fun. You hate Gurgi. I'm fun. I'm fun. Anyways. <laughs> anyways, so, so Lucy off after seeing Lilith. Lilith being threatened by Emperor Bellus yeah, with Bellis banishment from the Lilith Emperor's will coven. Be banished from the coven if she fails to capture Ida. Right. So she's like, well, okay, well that actually comes a bit later. Um, but so, anyways, oh, oh, while this is happening, Ida is also making Luce a cape out of a uh, right witch's wool, and. She actually has a moment where she acknowledges Luce's growth and how she's proud of her, and is like, "Aw, that's nice." Little nice I, moment. I thought before. I, I used to say I wanted to eat her all the time, but no, now I, I only take it that like that. sometimes. <laughs> that's what King says. Yeah. yeah, that's what King says. I love this. Um, and then, and meanwhile, Willow and Gus learn of Luce's plan, and they they're trying to help her break her out of the you, break into the relics room. No matter you what, know. you can't steal this hat, but you can borrow it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And uh, so they basically what happens next is Emperor Bellos is threatening uh, Lilith that if you don't capture your sister, you will be banished, banished, yeah. shunned. And, and Lilith then is like, OK, they... well, what am I supposed to do? You know, Ida doesn't have any attachment. And then she finds Luce mm. in the relic hall and she's like, oh, wait, she does have an attachment. I and then Lilith got an idea. An awful idea. Lilith got a wonderful, awful idea. Yeah, and they are then sent by Bellos and found by Lilith, who holds Luce hostage to lure out Ida. In this really great scene, she's in, like, protective bubble. And yeah. uh, it's really interesting seeing Ida just, like, getting Ida, actually Ida, pissed cause, off. Because once, you know? once Willow and Gus deliver the message, Ida is clearly, like, pissed. She's, like, she's immediately... And she goes over there... And she is just like, fuck you, fuck this whole thing, give me the human back or die. And she just starts, the, the witch's duel here is just so fantastic. fantastic. Like, she just starts blasting full frontal, she makes the giant, like, owl aura, and she has this all the, uh, she opens up all these different spell circles that around, and they start flying around and teleporting, and yeah, the the, the animation gets really good, like an enchanted Grom fight in, yeah, in the uh, dance scene. Yeah, Spencer Wan did some additional animation for this specific uh, scene, and it is phenomenal. And the and yes. so they eventually it, they they get into a pass because you know Lilith shields herself, and 
stuff. And it's like, you know, you always thought you were better than me. That I could never I beat you I am better than thing. you. Then why were you so easy to curse? And it was at this moment that Lilith knew. She fucked up. <laughs> yeah, right. big twist. Lilith cursed Ida. And... Well, yeah, I, I kind of, when, when they, when they brought that up in the episode, I was like, oh, okay, Lilith, like, when they, when they had the flashback again, I was like, oh, yeah, Lilith probably cursed It was, it was probably Ida. Lilith. It's like, there's also, because the thing about, and this is something I actually did not know, um, when I first mm -hmm. watched it, there's actually, um, hidden codes in each of the episodes. So, like, there's, like, mm -hmm. a hidden code somewhere in each episode and when you translate the codes and you put them together, they form a poem. And mm -hmm. if for season one, the poem is two witches torn apart now alone, two hearts of stone, a curse of feathers and mud, a betrayal of blood. Which if you were following along with the episodes and, you know, looking at the code, you could have probably figured out, oh, this is probably referring to Ida and Lilith and this is foreshadowing. Did anybody figure that out? Lilith cursing Ida was a very popular theory, so I would have to assume yes. Um, well, yeah, it reminds me a bit of um, in A Song of Ice and Fire, the relationship in the books between, uh, well, obviously it's not as abusive, but the relationship <laughs> because, between know, the different... Because, you know, this is Because, you know, the Owl show. House is a show made for children. <laughs> right, the, the Greyjoy brothers and stuff like that, and how Urine Greyjoy was a horrible, horrible person. Anyways, besides that... Um, so, uh, Bellos is found by, uh, and found by Lilith, and who holds loose hostage to lure out Ida, and then they fight, um, and then Ida ends up, basically, her curse is taking over because she's is using taking too over, much magic. And Ida's final words will always make me cry, because she, she goes to, she saves loose, because she's about to, like, fall into a spike pit. She's just like, alright, kid, listen to me. I'm going away, and I don't know. If I could bounce back this time. Watch over King. Remember to defeat Hootie. And Luce. Thank you. For being in my life. And oh my oh. god. I'm crying just thinking about it. It's so sad. Anyway. So Ida uses up her magic. <laughs> she uses up her magic. She turns into the owl beast. Seemingly permanently. Yes. Lilith captures her. And sends Luce away. You know. Go back to your world. This one is ours. And Luce walks forlorn back to the Owl House. House, and, and, and we also realize that um, that the Emperor wants the portal to the human world. Well, no, no, that comes in the next episode. Well, okay. Yeah. And a defeated Luce returns to the Owl House and breaks down tears as King and Hootie comfort her. And that's the end of the episode. Oh, to, to be continued. And I think we should probably just go on to the ending because I kind of see these two episodes. These two episodes. As... So, so we save Agony of a Witch and... Yeah, we'll just say save her overall thoughts for the ending. Yeah, yeah. I, I should also so, mention uh, for so we're going into young blood old souls. I should also the other uh, fun secret message thing is that if you take the first letter of every episode title and put them together, it forms a sentence. Uh, ah. And this one for season one, it's a witch loses a true way. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Well, that reminds me of in Breaking Bad. Uh, in season two, they had different episodes randomly that were titled ABQ. It was called uh, 7, 747 Down Over ABQ, <laughs> which then, uh, you know, predicted the plane crash at the end of season two. Oh. It's kind of similar to that. I find that fun. 
Um, so yeah, we should go on to Young Blood Old Souls, Season. which is directed by Steven Sandoval, with story by Zach Marcus, Molly Oster, Steven Tag, Sandoval. John Bailey Owen, Dana Terrace, and Rachel Vine, with a teleplay by Dana Terrace and Rachel Vine. And the storyboard was by Bosuk, Bo Coburn, Madeline Flores, Haley Foster, Count Arbor Mitchell, Fiddle, Amelia Lorenz, and Chris Bianca. <gasps> Released yeah. August 29, 2020, uh, production code number 120, and uh, premiered to 0.38 million viewers. The season the finale. The season finale. So this episode opens. Finale. <laughs> yeah. So this episode opens with a with a little history lesson about the Boiling Isles. As we mentioned before, it was made from the bones of a fallen titan. All Lore. All of the you know, all people who lived on the Isles evolved to wield magic because the Titan's magic was so powerful. But the, the deepest, deepest lore. And then one day, Bello showed up and was like, well, actually, because up to this point for like thousands of years, witches had practiced wild magic and just, you mm-hmm. know, mixed magic whenever they wanted. And then Bello was like, oh, no, you're doing it wrong. And so he created the, the Titan says system. you're doing it wrong. The Titan says you're doing it wrong. So, monotheism is the only way. <laughs> so I'm going to create this coven system, and I'm going to become the emperor, and you're all going to join covens, or you will die. So says the Titan. Um, <laughs> yes, it's not my will; it's the Titan. It's the, the it's Titan just, just happens to want to give. The Titan just happens to want to grant me uh, irrevocable, absolute power. Because I'm the only one who can talk to him. It's it's just a coincidence <laughs> that I'm the only right. one who can talk to the Titan. Um, yeah, and because and King speculates that maybe capturing Ida was part of Bellus's plan, but Luz doesn't care because today I'm saving Ida. And uh, d- so in modern in modern Western animation, you know it's about to be a really big epic epic episode when they feel the need to skip the intro in order to have that little bit of extra time. <laughs> Yes, <laughs> and meanwhile, Bellos uh, reveals to Lilith that he doesn't actually intend to cure Ida, which was one of the only reasons why Lilith was still holding on with this plan to kidnap her sister, instead yeah. sending her to be petrified to Lilith's horror. Petrification is kind of like being frozen in carbonite, but magic. And and um, also permanent. And also permanent, right. Yeah, I so, and also, um, uh, I've also, you know, just fun thing of note, if you look at Bellos's staff, it it's, yes. first of all, there's no palisman on it. Um, right. because obviously he eats palisman and it appears to be more tech based than general magic. Like it's, it's very mechanical, you know, it's got the mm. whole like ringy thing and which I, which is an interesting wrinkle. I, and I do wonder if that's gonna, it hasn't fully come into play yet in terms of, you know, where we're at in season two, but I wonder if it will. I'm, I'm very curious about that. Uh, well, I, I think she and the princess of power kind of had a similar thing. Yeah, going it was on a similar the villains... idea. The villains were the very villains industrial, were very industrial and technological. Whereas and the, and heroes, the heroes were all very nature based and elemental. Yeah. So I wonder if yeah, perhaps so, a similar dynamic will be explored here. I'm not sure if there is probably a lore explanation. It might just be a coding villain thing. Why well, also um, there's um, there's speculation and there's uh, hints that it might and there's hints in season two that might confirm it. But there's uh, there's a popular theory that Bellus is actually human. And that, mm. like, he came here from the human realm. So maybe that... that That is interesting. Yeah, so... And so maybe that ties into it. So we'll, yeah. we'll have to wait and see. But anyway, So Luce and King break into the conformatorium uh, by doing the worst thing they could possibly do, which is stand on a bunch step, of grass that don't grass. stand sign. <laughs> yeah, and, who te- and they go to the conformatorium, and I love that scene, uh, who tells them that Bellus wants the portal to the human world. And it's, it's kind of... 
it's not really explained why he wants this portal to the human world, and we don't really find out the reason uh, at the end of the season. Yeah, and again, kind I of feel a, like a it probably has something. Yeah, and it has yet to be fully revealed as of halfway through season two, and it's part of why I kind of, I'm at least slightly buying into the idea of Bellos being human, because maybe it's a, like a he wants to go home thing, or at the very least, like, we find out later in the episode that he doesn't specifically want to invade the human realm. So, right. like, it's got to be something. It's There's got to be something there that he wants. That he has well, to you know go what I, there. What, what I think he wants... I don't know. I'm just going off wild speculation here with no baseless, basis at all. And uh, I hope nobody from <laughs> the show is listening to this. Because, <laughs> you know, obviously, uh, you write the story however you want to write the story. Um, but I think... Uh, what Bellos might be after is the idea of bringing magic to the human world um, and joining the realms. Uh, and and in that way, that would then force Luce to confront her mother. Well, um, um, I'm not... As, as the whole thing would well, be like a big a... fight there is... for the, okay, I will for, say for the world. There is some reveal in season two, actually, now that I remember, of ult- what Bellos' plan is. And uh, I'm not going to comment any further on that on that speculation <laughs> but anyways i also like well, that's how just that's just my it, idea I've, i haven't seen any season two that's just it's my an inter- idea it's right an now. interesting idea i i have seen i have seen i am caught up so you know i i won't comment on that and just i'll i'll <laughs> just leave it at there i also love when they get into the conformatorium and loose just goes absolutely ballistic on all those motherfuckers like yeah i approve <laughs> this is this is very good <laughs> Yeah, and uh, Luce needs to go home and destroy the the portal, yeah, basically. Because be- basically, because she finds she finds Ida, she's still in the beast form, but she's you know conscious now. And Ida's just like, look, you gotta leave. You know, your magic isn't powerful enough for this. You know, you gotta go. And like, don't blame yourself. I'm here because of what I did, but you know, I also don't regret anything. And then I she's can't... like, but we're a family. Us weirdos. And family have... means no one's left behind. Us weirdos <laughs> have to stick together. Right. You know. Uh, and one of the things I like about this is that Gus's father is uh, basically a news person. Yes. <laughs> covering the petrification scandal. Yes. Yes, uh, he is. Uh. Um, it's interesting because before you mentioned how weird it is that the principal bump would be endorsing murder, but I think that's kind of in character with him and kind of in character with the universe as well because when she's being petrified on TV, there's like a whole scandal about like, does she deserve to be petrified? And it's like, this is a very weird thing for a society to think about, considering this is like the multi-billion dollar bounty person. Yes. That like, like the most wanted criminal in, in the Boiling Isles. Like, right. it's weird. Yeah, like under... Mm, like, rebellion? Without, like without the perspective of what we've seen in the show, it's weird that it's controversial. <laughs> right. And I think that kind of shows that the world is a lot less conforming to this system than we were initially led to believe. Yeah. Um, so anyway, so anyways, but before that Lilith happens, admits that cursing Ida was a terrible mistake. Yeah. After because Lilith, Lilith and Ida fight. Cause, cause you know. Lilith and Luce fight because Luce is understandably kind of wanting vengeance. Um, yes. just like the rest of the fandom was after agony of which can we, I, I can I please talk about God damn the, the, at the anti Lilith, the, the cancel Lilith era, was was fucking wild because like after want Ag- to cancel lilith yeah because after agony of a agony of a witch came out everyone just immediately turned on lilith they were like fuck you they were like anti-lilith profile pics everywhere hashtag cancel lilith 
trended on Twitter. It was insane. <laughs> I don't know. I don't follow any fandom, so yeah. this is complete news to me. Yeah, and and apparently, uh, her her Lilith's voice actor, Sissy Jones, like she was aware of it, and she finds it funny. So like, she was in <laughs> on the joke. <laughs> Yeah, and Lilith admits that cursing Ida was a terrible mistake after uh, Luce basically is like, you're a bad sister, and she's like, like yeah, yeah I was. right. We have, and we see a flashback of young Ida and young Lilith. First of all, baby Ida is adorable, and yes. I love her little tooth cap. It's great. Mm -hmm. um, and basically, we find out that both Ida and Lilith wanted to be in the Emperor's Coven, but it came down to only one slot was available, and they would have to duel for it. And Lilith was like, well, I know she's going to beat me, so maybe if I just get a curse that'll... You know, just last a day. It'll be, it'll be fine. It'll, it'll be fine. Right. But then Ida's like, you know what? No, I'm not gonna do this. I'm not gonna battle my sister. I, I don't. I've realized I don't even want to be in a coven anyway. But you know, good luck, Lilith. And then she turns into the Albies for the first Lilith, time. Congratulations. You just played yourself. <laughs> you just congratulations. You played yourself. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. Uh, and then uh, it's a really good. Uh, you know scene obviously and then yes. Luce and Lilith are ambushed by Bellos who has Lilith and King sent to be petrified with Ida while Luce fights him and uh there's a this great fight scene between Luce and uh the Emperor where she actually gets a hit on him and yeah he, she gets he, a hit on him because she breaks she's, she's dodging his around, helmet and then she breaks his helmet to reveal the true twist of the series Bellos is Sans Undertale stop this he has a blue eye anyway Basically, what happens is Luce is told by Bellos, hey, all you gotta do is give me the portal. And it's then like, she's like, all right, here's you know, the portal. Uh, you know, you probably... But, oh, it, it's got glyphs on it, bitch. By the way, I've got Fuck fireworks you. here. <laughs> Fuck you. I may have lost, but so have you. <laughs> Congratulations, yes. Bellos. You, you played, played yourself. yourself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then she rescues Ida, and they escape with King and Lilith. And then Lilith, now being very upset about, you know, everything uses her magic and this is goes back to the uh the, the flashback, flashback scene where they use the share the pain with this magic spell declared let the pain be shared and right. splits the curse between the two of them so now both Ida and lilith have heterochromia because they have yes. both have two different colored eyes and Ida's back to her humanoid form but her gem is completely dark permanently and she's and lost she her can't magic. Do magic and lilith seems to have lost her magic as well but loose is like you know what no i learned these glyphs and I can do magic. Oh, I'm going to teach you the glyphs and what we don't know. We'll figure out together. It's like, oh, yeah. that's nice. And then afterwards, Luce makes and a we... video talking to her mother, promising that she will find a way home. She's going to find a way. it's a very way. sweet scene. Yes. And uh, I love the I love how they integrate uh, Spanish dialogue and narration yeah. into this show. I find that very yeah, fun. Yeah, because Luce is, uh, of course, uh, Dominican-American and uh, Afro-Latina. And what what I love about the, you know, just the little uses of Spanish is that, one, it's not subtitled. Like, right. Just saying, Get good at learning Spanish, y'all. And especially because all of the language, because I did take some Spanish, because all of it is either, if you know even the slightest hint of Spanish, all of it is like, you're gonna pick it's it conversational. up from context, and yeah. if you don't know, there's a thing called Google, and you can right. look it up. <laughs> like <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And then uh, Bella sends a member of the Emperor's Coven, the Golden Guard, to spy yeah. on the Owl House who's get, who's while he begins reconstructing be the portal. Yeah, who becomes a which is interesting and is a total you know cliffhanger, cliffhanger for season cliffhanger two. Cliffhanger ending is you know in the meantime the day of unity is almost upon us. And we have much work to do. So yeah, that's season one of the Owl House. And 
overall, I think. Um, I well, like should we give our overall thoughts on Agony of a Witch and Youngblood Old Souls first? Before well, yeah, those are into... fantastic episodes and a great way to end the se- season. But I want to talk about the show overall. Yeah, can I? Can I? Uh, can I just give my overall thoughts real quick first? Sure. Uh, yeah, I think Agony of a Witch. You know, despite the pain and the angst, I think it is a great episode. It's it's really well paced. The witches duel between Ida, Ida and Lilith is fantastic, and it's a really great showcase of how far ida has come and how far loose has come and it's just a really great character showcase and a great cliffhanger ending to lead into the season finale and i think young bold old souls is a is a fantastic season finale i love seeing loose just going fucking ballistic on people i you know it's you know this big confrontation with bellows the you know and again the more growth of ida lilith starting her redemption i and you know again great cliffhanger even though it was that hiatus because you know it ended in at the end of august and we didn't get new episodes. We didn't get the start of season two until June of this year. So that was a long yep. time to wait for answers. So even though that hiatus kind of made it more painful, I do think the ending really works. And I think it's a great season finale. But to talk about this season so, as a whole. O- overall, season one, um, this first season is fantastic it is incredibly imaginative i love the different creature designs especially i love how it mixes wholesome and disturbing comedy (laughs) i love the the fact that it does so in such a way that says oh this isn't just a scary scene this is a weird thing that you weird kids can be into i really enjoy that as i as a former weird kid now a weird adult that was into (laughs) weird creepy stuff i love that sort of stuff and the horror aspects of uh the show I love all the characters. I think Ida brings this fantastic, uh, cynical, sarcastic energy to the show, which is contrasted so easily by, you know, Luce's happy-go-lucky, absolute wholesomeness. It reminds me a bit of at least a a more friendly and loving uh, version of the dynamic between Squidward and SpongeBob. Uh, Kind of, yeah. Yeah. Um, just in the way that their their personalities clash. I really enjoy that. And I, I also love that uh, King is such a funny character and he's very cute and he has all these great jokes. And, you know, it, it is a kind of thing where, like, he has one driving characteristic, but he's also multi-layered because, yeah, he wants power, but he also cares about his friends. And I think at the end of the day, if he was given the choice between power and saving his friends, he would choose saving his friends. Um... And that's the really interesting thing about King is that King is a better person than he understands himself to be. But also all his little antics are so much, so funny and I love them. And then we get on to talk about Amity. And Amity, I mean, I really started the season not really being such a huge fan of her character. Obviously, well, like a lot of us. introduced as a good person. <laughs> and, you know, but that, then as you can yeah. see more layers to Amity, I start to understand, okay, what they're doing here is very interesting. They're basically doing a mean girl redemption story. Yeah, Which it's I think it's, is it's, it's effectively enemies to lovers. Like it's right. Well, it's, it's they were never really enemies. Well, well rivals to lovers. Such. I, I guess rivals to lovers would be the more. I feel like even that it, it, Amity never really felt to me like she was felt like oh yeah, Luce is my rival. I felt like she was just more confused by her and confused about her feelings for her, and that's, that's what led to the animosity. That's also um, true. Yeah, so I, I, it's not really enemies to lovers as much as it is, I think, uh, Amity has her own character arc independent of her growing romance yeah. with uh, Luce, our main character. And I just, uh, I love the whole uh, relationship dynamic that they have and how they grow to be friends. Let's talk about Gus 
Gus is a fantastic character. I love how he's super interested in all things human and all his weird, dorky, awkward jokes. I find him great. And Willow is a good girl and she is fantastic. And I love her, uh, I love her plant magic. And yeah, overall, I just can't really say anything bad about this. Uh, fuck the nose guy. Fuck that. The nose guy. You're, you're, still, you're, still, you're still down on tiny nose. I see. Still down, still down on Tiny Nose. I'm waiting for the episode where they give Tiny Nose a tragic backstory. Tragic backstory. Honestly, nowhere. honestly, knowing this show, I could see it. <laughs> like, <laughs> to be fair, I think that is something that I would feel that would feel more at place in like a Steven Universe. This show is a lot more focused. Yeah, this, I think it's it's more on what in, it wants to do. And I know that I know a lot of people have gotten a, li a little sick of this comparison, but it is more it's more in the vein of something like a Gravity Falls than it is a Steven Universe. Um, well, yeah, and all of these new animated shows that have continuity and episodic episodes follow what I like to call Babylon. Yeah, like, 5 yeah, the Babylon Five, five the Babylon Five, uh. where where basically that show introduced a gigantic space opera storyline by slowly introducing you to episodic things that then slowly developed into an actual story uh, that was overarching, and that is what uh, Steven Universe has done in a very slow time frame. Yeah, <laughs> and that is like, what uh, there shows done. That, yeah, because they're, you know, depending on the it, it, you know, all a lot of these serialized animated shows, you know, they have they will do that, and it just depends on how, you know, the pacing of it, how fast we get into, oh, the continuity actually matters, because Steven Universe was a kind of a slow burn. Amphibia is in a similar way a bit of a slow burn in that first season. Right. Um, you know, whereas something like She-Ra is more serialized from the get-go. Gravity Falls was obviously a lot more serialized from the get-go. Um, yeah. And this is... I'd say, I'd, I'd say the, the trend of the serialized animation is very interesting. Yes, And I, I, agree. I think it shows a growing complexity uh, in uh, the, the storytelling yeah, of what's young, it, what's interesting, young adult fiction. What is, what is interesting you know. to me in that context is that um, you know, we have all these shows where, you know, you have where, as you said, it's kind of the Babylon 5 idea of it starts off very episodic and at least semi comedic and then sort of slowly but surely dives into the idea of, oh, no, the continuity actually matters. There are real character arcs and real themes in term and, right. you know, the serialized nature. And then in a way, you know, we've obviously talked we talked about this extensively on the podcast before. But I don't think we really got into this particular wrinkle of it. But with a show like Infinity Train, where Infinity Train kind of mm -hmm. just cuts out the middleman of even pretending that it's going to be episodic and goes right into being serialized and having character arcs that matter straight out of the gate. Like, right, because each season is, is basically a miniseries yeah, in yeah. Infinity Train. Which is sort of... And it's very interesting, I think, and we're getting a bit off topic, but I think it is still very interesting to kind of take this broader look at how things have really changed, in my opinion, it changed uh, with Avatar The Last Airbender. Yeah, because Avatar The Last you know. Airbender, it was kind of the the nexus point of it. And then... It was the watershed moment of it was It was kind of... It was where the dam... It was where the dam first showed hints of being broken. And then... Yeah. And, and then really Adventure Time kind of... And then, and then Adventure Time kind of kicked it off for the modern... Because Avatar at first seemed like it was kind of like... Uh, an exception to the rule and then adventure time right. and then a few years because you know the the trend kind of petered off after avatar and then a few years later adventure time came out and then right. gravity falls happened and then steven universe happened and now it's everywhere like yeah i've i've always been of the opinion 
that um, young people, kids, young adults, teenagers, um, they they want and they crave uh, complex storytelling yeah, as much I as think, adults do. I, I, I agree with you. Know, you know, actual it, themes and actual storytelling general, and actual characters. Like in in general, a, a thought policy I have is that kids are smarter than we tend to give them credit for. And yes. Teenagers, maybe not, but definitely. Yeah. Kids. Well, yeah. Um, <laughs> I kid. Yeah. I kid. I um, kid. Um. Yeah, and and it's just such an amazing show, and I love the uh, way that it integrates um, so effortlessly uh, fantasy and horror and LGBT representation, and I think it's just such a beautiful, fantastic show, and I'm really excited to see where it goes next, and uh, yeah. <laughs> It's a great show. It's a great show. So yeah, Chris, what do you think of that? I pretty much, I pretty much <laughs> agree with I agree with everything you just said. Like, The Owl House is a show that I... Because I remember watching this because it was the beginning of last year. And because I had... Well, I had heard about it. Because I had actually seen, like, the early promo art. And I was like, oh, this this looks interesting. But I'd, I'd like I wanna... to apologize also, Chris, that when you told me to watch this show, I did not watch it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you took way longer. I sent you. I remember when the show was coming out. I sent you the clip of uh, the the uh, the me on a team with you Amity clip. Convinced that okay, <laughs> if anything's gonna get them to watch the show, it's that. And then you still did it. <laughs> you see, I I'm just I'm just very busy in my own head, and by that I mean watching cat videos. I so I you mean, know I I can understand a version of that to be fair, but still. Yes. Um, anyways the so, show is fantastic yeah because basically uh, uh, to get back to what i was saying um and i remember seeing the first episode because they put the first episode up on youtube uh right which is what everyone should do for all their shows just put the first episode up on youtube to give everyone a chance to see it like that should just be standard practice in my opinion um and i remember watching it being like okay they are onto something here and just watching the show evolve as it goes on and being a part of the, the fandom and seeing people's reactions to everything and seeing how the story evolves and became more complex. And all while also seeing the growth of all these wonderful, wonderful characters, you know, you have someone like Luce who is, and we've kind of, we've kind of slightly made, made it, made it into a bit of a joke, but I think it is a very important and very powerful that there is, such a level of positive representation in this one yes. character where she is she is dominican american afro latina bisexual gender non-conforming and you know neurodivergent and as an autistic person you know i've i've talked about this before but you know representation for me especially in this kind of media like the kind of media i was into as a kid didn't really exist like it right. wasn't there so to have yeah. a character as authentic and positive as, uh, you know, someone like Luce in a show geared at kids, I think is really important and really powerful. And I'm really happy that young neurodivergent kids or, you know, young bisexual kids or, you know, gender nonconforming kids or Afro-Latina, you know, what, whatever that may be, you know, whatever part of Luce you see yourself in, the fact that there is a character that people can look at and be like, she is like me when we so often, you know, whether you be in this racial minority or an LGBTQ plus or neurodivergent, where we so often don't see ourselves in media, I think that's just really important and really powerful and just really, really cool. And, you know, combine right. that with a character like Ida, this, you know, cynical and, you know, kind of, you know, vaguely dangerous. Like she's not exactly like a role model character, 
but she's also <laughs> got a good heart and she clearly cares about the people in her life. She's just been very closed off for so long. And to see her evolution, and especially because it's, you know, an older woman. We don't get to see a lot of yes. older woman women be really developed characters in, in television, children's or otherwise. You know, because most of the time right. they're just relegated to being like grandmas or whatever. And then you have yeah. a character like King, who, is, who, as you mentioned, he's, he's smarter than, and he's more, you know, he's got more layers to him than he gives himself credit for. Because he, while he is this sort of power-hungry tyrant in his way, you know, and that dynamic, and the contrast of him being adorable, you know, makes that hilarious. He also does genuinely care about people. And he cares about, you right. know, he cares about Luce. He wants to have this genuine friendship. And it's rounded out by this phenomenal supporting cast. You have a character like Amity, who is, you know, you know, he, she starts off as kind of a mean girl and kind of a bitch. Like, as, as you said, when I first started watching the show, I did not like Amity. And you see right. her grow and you see what her family life was like and why she is the way that she why she was the way that she was and how she learns to move beyond that and become a better person and person. And that is in conjunction with this burgeoning romance with Luce and how we have this sort of authentic, you know, same sex relationship. And I, I again, like even as a straight ally, I absolutely love and I think it's really important that this kind of relationship is being normalized in something aimed at kids. I think that's really good. I think it's really cool. I think it's very powerful. I think it is really, for, for, I, I know I've used this term a lot, but important. And, uh, you know, you have these great, you know, I, I wish they got, I wish they got more screen time and a bit more development, but you have characters like Gus, who is, you know, dealing with his young, you know, being younger than everyone else and also has this enthusiasm for the human stuff. And you have Willow, who's just so sweet and wonderful, but has kind of an, kind of an unspoken of inner rage to her that I wish was, <laughs> that I wish was kind of explored more. I hope they do that. Uh, I hope they explore that a little bit more combined with this just absolutely breathtaking world you know with this beautiful background art and such yes. amazing creature design just all these unique monsters for you know different antagonists and just general you know background characters and then you have you know this you know really complex villains and in com intriguing villains and someone like Lilith who of course you know she does have a redemption arc towards the end and we're going to see more right. good Lilith in season two um, and but and then you have someone like Bellos who is very, you know, he's not like a maniacal overlord. He's very he's very cold and calculating and like he doesn't really give a shit about whether, you know, the hero gets away as long as he gets particular mm -hmm. like he doesn't see the hero as a particular threat to the point where she just where he just lets them go and lets them live their lives and doesn't really give right. a shit about capturing them at the end. Which, you know, kind of says something about how just far above our hero's pay grade that Bellos is, which makes him all the more terrifying in a way. And, you right. know, just... And you know, I'd like to... I'd like to... I'd like to double back to uh, representation. Because yeah. um, what you said about, uh, you know, she's all these things, Luce's, uh, you know, neurodivergent, bisexual, and stuff like that. And I, what I find interesting about this show is that 
um, if you boil her character down to those things, it doesn't really even give you a good yeah, perspective that's, that's on who true. she is. Because those is, things cause... are more out; those things are more organic parts of who she is as a holistic whole. Yeah, you know that is and true. who she is is kind of the proverbial outcast. Yeah, because she is um, not. Because yeah, to be clear, what ma- and what makes her positive representation as this is that. She is not, in fact, just a checklist of these of these outward things. That exactly. She is, she is a person right. with a lot of complex thoughts and feelings and interests and likes and dislikes and desires. And, you know, what does she want out of life? And, you know, and her learning about because, you know, you know, she opens the series with her mom saying she needs a reality check. And in a way, mm-hmm. throughout the course of the season, it's not exactly traditional. But the Boiling Isles really is her reality check. It's how she learns about what she wants in the world, how to be a better person, how to, you know, be more socially, um, uh, what's the word I'm searching for? Like, um, like, be, like, like make more social connections and connect with people and empathize with people. And it's how she, and, you know, become a better, the best version of herself. And, you know, I think right. that's great. And we see these, you know, really complex and compelling character arcs for pretty much the entire main cast throughout the course of the season. And this is just season one. Like, this is just the beginning. And, you know, even with the episodes that we have of season two. So, you know, Chris, do you like the Owl House? I, I, yes, I do. And just, it's just such a fascinating world. It's just such a beautiful world, and I love all these characters. And I just, I want to see more of it. Like every time I watch the so, show, so you I'm like the like, Owl House? Yes, I do. I very much do. It's like I, I, I said this like when the very, I said this on Twitter like the very first episode when after the very first episode came out, I was like, this is the most invested I've been in a Disney cartoon since Gravity Falls. Like, I got a question. Is is this, in your opinion, the best Western animation show currently going? Uh, in terms of what is currently airing, hmm. Uh, but give me a moment. Give me a moment to think. I'm trying to think. Because of what else I, I know you have, you probably have much worse perspective on this than I do. Because I only watch a couple animated shows. Yeah, because like looking at what's. I out, think the answer from you is probably yes. I would say <laughs> yes. Although, you know, if Infinity Train comes back, that might change. But, like, given... And there's a lot of good stuff still currently on. Like, even though a lot of stuff has ended, you know, like, obviously Steven Universe ended and, did, and you know, like, Infinity Train is seemingly canceled for now. Um, but, you know, we'll see. Um, there are a lot of... There's a lot of great stuff. Right. Like, like, Amphibia is great. And, like, uh, you know, there's good stuff coming out that's, like, upcoming. Like, Ghost of Molly McGee looks like it's going to be a lot But this is the best. Fun. And, this is some know, good shit. This is, but, uh, it, but you know, this is absolutely, like, this belongs in, like, top-tier all-time greats with the likes of, I feel like, even just after this first season, and especially with what we have of season two, I do, I feel confident in saying that I think this belongs in the upper echelon of the all-time great modern Western animation with the likes of Steven Universe and Gravity Falls. Like, And Chris, what are we doing next week? Well, next week... Um, we were going to do a roulette, but we had to shift the schedule around a bit. So right. roulettes will be in a couple weeks from now. But instead, we're actually yes. keeping the Owl House train going because we are talking about the first half, i.e. the one that's out, of the Owl House Season 2. 
and I'm very and we'll excited. catch y'all next time. Yeah, we are very, this I'm, has been Hipster and yes, the Nerd, this the has place been to get all your witch witchcraft shit. All your be gay, do what be gay and neurodivergent and do uh, be gay do witchcraft. Be, be gay do witchcraft exactly. Yes. Um. Anyways, this has been Hipster and the Nerd. We do this, uh, barring health complications, every week. You can find us on <laughs> Spotify, Apple Podcast, pretty much all your major p- podcast platforms. Please leave us a nice five-star review. Uh, subscribe on Spotify. That's a thing you can do that I should have been mentioning before. So you should do that. Um, uh, spread the word on social media. Share it with all your friends. Hashtag hipster and the nerd. Help us grow the show. We very much appreciate it. Uh, I am Chris Hannett. You can find me at MegaNerd98 on Twitter and on Letterboxd. You can also find me on my WordPress page, Mega Nerds Musings, which I will update eventually, I swear. But if you want to read some Amphibia and Owl House fan fiction, you can currently do that. You can also find me on the TOH Musical Project Discord server, where I am among a group of several very talented Owl House fans putting together an original musical episode of the show. So if you want to be a part of that process or simply observe the process, go ahead and join the TOH Musical Project Discord server. Um, and... That is all the places you can find me. Uh, Brian, where can they find you? You can't. <laughs> oh, no! <laughs> I'm underground, hiding from the government. No, um, uh, you can find me on Twitter at Brian Brecker, or you can find me on Letterboxd at bbreck2. Uh, currently, I'm going through all of the worst movies uh, rated, the lowest rated films on Letterboxd. Oh, dear God. I've currently seen Saving Christmas. I've seen... Do you see Dragon um, Ball Evolution? I've seen Dragon Ball Evolution and a and movie I've called seen Potato, potato salad. salad. Don't ask, which apparently and there's, there's not... no fucking potato salad. <laughs> yeah, that was what surprised me the most in your review. It's like, why would you call the movie Potato Salad if there's no <laughs> potato salad in the movie? <laughs> I don't understand. Because at, at one point they teach the zombies how to open potato salad, and then the guy turns to the camera and says, "Don't ask." Wait, so there is potato salad? Then. No, not really. There's like there's like a canned potato, and then they're opening it, but it's like. Not potato salad. So they call it potato salad, but it's not actually potato salad. I forget. So here's the thing about the film was that it was in German and it was starring uh, German YouTubers. Uh, and I ha- and I had I ha- there was no subtitles, so I had to go on a, a subtitle like a transcript page, and then as the film was going on, scroll down to read the movie. It sounds like a lot of tab. E- this sounds like a lot of effort for what so- for a seemingly very terrible yes. film. And you know what I'm watching next. You know what I'm watching next? What are you watching next? Logan Paul's film, Airplane oh, Mode. Oh, why? No. Which is so bad, many people think that he filmed a dead body just to get it canceled. <laughs> That's a real thing. Dear God. Um, <laughs> so, to, so, yeah. This I'm going to try and get that and image the out of the head. So, uh, thank you, everybody, for listening. Uh, seize the means of Applebee's. I remembered that. Seize the means Applebee's. I want to make that. I'm going to make that the end uh, call for every episode now because I love it so much. But yeah, thank you everybody for listening. Seize the means of Applebee's, and we will see you next time. Next time. And they were roommates. Oh my god, they were roommates.